is the Day Serial Update for May 19th, 2019. I'm Paul Bernolfo. I'm Patrick Mifflin. I'm Brandon Perkins. I'm Chris Sologi. I'm Jan Rev Victoria. And I'm last on the sheet. I'm Lee Lamb. <laughs> All right. Uh, so we managed to get through it this time. We've had one story that is just straight out of bizarro world, like, you know, dogs and cats living together, mass hysteria type uh, type of affair. Uh, but we've also had some other, you know, more mundane stuff to uh, to get through, and we will get through all of that shortly. Uh, but before we do, well, it, as is usual on this show, we like to catch in, catch in, catch up with what we've been uh, doing over the past week. So I guess I'll start us out as as per usual. Uh, so this week, uh, I have to make an admission, guys. Uh, I installed the Epic Games Launcher. Because How did I'm that learning, go? Yeah, because I'm learning the Unreal Engine. And uh, if you want to do that, you kind of have to use the launcher to get it. Uh, so needless to say, I actually ended up going to the Epic Game Store and claiming a bunch of free games because why the hell not? It's there. You um, son of a bitch, you are dead to me. Heresy! <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, to, to say that the Epic launcher is half-baked is an understatement. That is to say, the Atlantic Ocean is damp. Yeah, uh, because uh, okay. Well, I, w- I will say that the download speed is is excellent on the uh, Epic Game Store. Uh, when I was I was downloading the Unreal Engine and I was getting a full uh, full speed, you know, sixty megabits down. Unfortunately, it was doing that at the expense of everything else on my network. <laughs> so uh, yeah, there were, there's no there's no like bandwidth shaping or anything on the Epic Game Store. So. Uh, yeah, uh, my mom was not happy for the 45 minutes it took to download the engine, so I'll just put that out there. If you're going to be downloading very large files on the Epic Game Store, be aware it does not have any sort of uh, friendliness controls. So You just need to do it like any any American does and be like, shut up, mom. <laughs> okay, no, that, no, I'm Canadian. That's, that's just not going to work. So, yeah. Uh, but yeah, apart from that, well, like I said, learning the Unreal Engine, which is uh, proving to be very interesting uh, in that they've actually got two different ways of going about using it. Because they got uh, the traditional C++ method of, uh, of programming within it. Uh, and they've also got a visual scripting language called uh, Blueprints, which is uh, it's not that hard to get your head around. Um, so yeah, that's, I'm going to be, you know, playing around with that and maybe building a game that I've been kind of had an idea for, for a long time. Who knows? Uh, so apart from that, well, I've been doing my uh, usual round of Mortal Kombat 11, uh, started to go through the towers of time a little bit and, uh, yeah, those are, yeah, they're, they're fine, I guess. It's just, you know, the regular modified towers that you had in uh, MK10. You're calling them something different this time. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's all right. Uh, the crypt is still kind of fun. Although, if you look at the uh, the store, um, it, it will just, like, throw up random items for a couple of days that you can pull out of the crypt. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, checking in through there is uh, kind of helpful because the price uh, is the same as opening that particular chest in the crypt. Uh, so, you know, if there's something that you particularly want, uh, then maybe that's the better option of not having to go through the whole crypt to find it. Because, again, mm-hmm. random number generator. Yay. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I Sometimes I wonder if people that play console games are... <clears throat> 
and not you, Phil, because I know that's that's this doesn't fall under under what you do. But like the whole RNG thing, like I have friends that that play console games, and they're just like, yeah, I don't mind the RNG, and I'm like, that's because you've never played PC games. <laughs> and when you get into like PC games, like MMOs or anything else like that, and everything is RNG on top of RNG on top of RNG, you end up getting to a console game, and when they put that shit in there, you're like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. This is not what I came here for. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like this is like a, a trend in a lot of console games is, is putting in those RNG mechanics. And it's, you know, it, psychologically, it's well proven that it works. Um, there's a lot of books that have been written on the subject. So, you know, it's it's hap- it's happening. But, uh, you know, my my sentiment is and has always been that uh, uh, if a game uh, can't hold your attention based on its own merits, then it's. You're doing it wrong. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, but yeah. Yeah, it's just prevalent with the, the SAS model, especially. Just bullshit. Mm. Anyway, I'm, I'm sorry. I just, yeah. yeah. But, no, you're not wrong. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but apart from that, uh, well, yeah, I've been catching up on uh, the developments of some of the uh, emulators that I've been following. Uh, this particular day, I uh, dipped in and checked, checked out RPCS3 seeing what kind of progress it's made in the past few months, and holy shit. Um, yeah, do you want to run, like, uh, Kingdom Hearts uh, in 4K? Because the PS4 version can't do that yet? Uh, well, you can do it on the emulator. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So, yeah. Uh, they've just gotten... Uh, what's in, they've just gotten Metal Gear Solid 4 to boot. Uh, it's still kind of jacked, and it's not playable, but... Yeah, it's it's progress. so kind of like kind of like the real game. Well, you you do get the opportunity to sit through the twenty minute credit scene, uh, right? Yep. Uh, right uh, before the it crashes. So that's, <laughs> that's. I mean, that's that's where it's at, right? right. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that's been kind of fun. Uh, they got uh, they're working on some uh, on a better sound plugin that's uh, actually proving to increase the performance uh, considerably. Uh, games that were getting about 10 frames per second before uh, with this new sound plugin are averaging around 50 to 60 now. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so uh, yeah, that emulator is developing like at, a, at an al- alarming rate. Uh, and uh, the great part about it is uh, basically you can, if you have a, a hacked PS3, and I don't know why you wouldn't at this point, you, know, you can just rip your own discs and play them. Or if you feel like downloading large uh, gigabytes of ROMs, I guess you could do that. But why bother when PS3 games are like stupid cheap right now? Yeah. This is like, I, I think if you're going to build a library for your PlayStation 3 emulator, this is probably the best time to do it. Uh, because it's still under the radar, and you can pick up uh, quite large lots of games for not a lot of money. So that's that's what I would do. Uh, and uh, yeah, that's been it for me. How about you, Pat? Uh, Stormblood still. Um, this is probably the most hooked I've ever been on Final Fantasy XIV with no end in sight. And... I've got uh, my third character coming up on a Realm Reborn endgame, so that's always a fun part. Um, mm-hmm. This one I'm taking a little bit of a different approach with because um, I started my first two characters as Dragoons and then sort of changed things up as I hit um, a Realm Reborn endgame in level 50. 
This time I'm leveling up as a ninja, which I always enjoy playing, but I, for as little as I actually do it, um, I can honestly say that uh, going through the main story quest and having it as your main job really feels like playing the game with a superpower, and I'm thoroughly enjoying it. <laughs> Pat, doesn't is it Final Fantasy fourteen like you just change your weapon, you don't need to roll a new character? Right. So are you rolling a new character or are you just changing your weapon? I'm rolling new characters. I'm having I'm starting new characters because I want to play on different servers. Oh, okay. So I've got a character on Tonberry, which is where uh Teresa plays and where Chris plays now. I've got a character on Gilgamesh where some of my other friends play. And then I started a character over on Exodus, which is on another data center entirely. And um, I'm just mainly doing it to um, to make as many connections as I can. Right. Because I'm trying to uh, get into the streaming and YouTubing side of things. And so. So there is there no like cross realm anything? In there the is, but um, it's limited to whatever data center you're on. So okay. you have. Um, eight data centers in the game, three of them in Japan, three of them in North America, and two of them in Europe. And um, on each of those data centers, you have about um, seven or eight servers. Okay. And among the, um, and you can visit any of but those. you can cross servers. those, right? Yeah. Okay. But um, in order to move your character from a data center to another, you actually have to make a permanent move. Which actually costs money, but um, as far as your data center goes, um, yeah, you can move freely among those, and I, that's actually been uh, playing into my economic endeavors, so to speak. <laughs> yeah, the, the reason I was asking is because in WoW, um, the uh, you can it's pretty much you can group with anybody doesn't matter what server they're on but you just can't like do trades with them like you can't have something on your server and then give it to them unless you've earned it while you're in a group together so yeah um well final fantasy 14 has its own way of handling that but um yeah they're doing what they can to broaden the the ability to play with other people in the game but right now crossing data centers is just the um the thing you can't do at will But um, individual data centers have so many people playing on them that it really isn't that much of an issue. And even with the the base subscription, the twelve ninety five a month, you can have up to eight characters. So you you could theoretically put a character on every data center. Right. Okay. Yeah, I just remember I have friends that'll uh, that that are playing. That one of the things that they like about it compared to WoW is like if I just want to play something new. A new class, I just change the weapon out. Change your weapon and uh, possibly your soul crystal if you've got your if you've got it up to job status. So yeah. Um like let me know when you get started and I'll um I, I've already sent you a couple of videos. Yeah, so. I just gotta I gotta I gotta load it up. I gotta figure out what I'm doing. My wife well, I'll talk about it when I'm talking about my stuff. My wife is like, You need to come play WoW with me again. I'm like, All right, honey. So no, we got to get her on Final Fantasy fourteen as well. Well, I got I got all of those the the keys because we both have um we okay. both have Amazon Prime, so hopefully they're still eligible. I apparently yeah, had a Final I, I think you account. only had I think you only had until um, the end of last month to claim them. Yeah, but, but I think after you claim them, I think you should be able to use them. So yeah, and I agree. I um just let me know. Yeah, totally. Um, I will definitely be happy to show you around and. Uh, 
Yeah, and help get you started because um, basically when you get started in the game, you're um, I think level one to ten, you're locked into whatever um, whatever job you picked. But lo- level one to ten is maybe two hours of gameplay. I gotcha. Okay. And then you can just join whatever um, whatever guild you come across, and um, you're going to be starting that job from level one or whatever its starting point is. Because as once you get to the expansion jobs, they have higher starting points. Okay. So like the three heavens ward jobs that were introduced start at level thirty. But you're level fifty in whatever um, whatever job you've been playing by the time you have access to them, and then the Stormblood jobs start at level fifty, and the Shadowbringers jobs are going to start at level sixty. Okay, yeah, yeah. I'll let you know when we when we actually because I actually already had an account apparently I didn't uh-huh. realize that, um, but so I just ended up keeping the keys for my wife and. Uh, my son. So okay. when I when as we had mentioned, I'm upgrading his graphics card for his birthday. So once I get all that stuff installed, I'll probably uh, take a look at it, and I'll let you guys know. Obviously, sounds good. Um, and other than that, I've just been um, exploring my options with uh, PlayStation VR and just getting more and more into that, and um, also uh, just seeing what I can make this new computer of mine do with emulators because this is a huge step up from the one I had. And so um, I think the game that I'm just going to be glued to on this computer for quite some time is Metropolis Street Racer Hmm. because um, it's just been too long since I scratched that Project Gotham itch. And yeah, it's good to have that game back. So, all right. That's been my week. All right. Uh, as for me, uh, my gaming after I finished, you know, Tales of Vesperia, uh, I had a big uh, JRPG hole in my life that needed to be filled. Yes. And uh, I realized I hadn't played Dragon Quest Eleven yet, so I went to GameStop and got Dragon Quest Eleven, and that's what I've been playing for the last few days. Wait, How's Brandon. Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. Did you did you buy it new or did you buy it used? I buy it, bought it used. I was going to say, you might want to return it. Let me finish before anybody goes, Lee wants you to return a Dragon Quest. What did you, the reason I was asking, what did you get it for? Because Best Buy, I think, has got like today for 20 bucks. Uh, I got it for like 20 bucks. Oh, okay. All right. Cool. 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 Also, I wanted to buy it used because I didn't want any of my money going to Koichi Sugiyama because he can go fuck himself. But, um, but yeah, uh, so, you know, I obviously, like most of us, I've played Dragon Quest off and on for a long time. Um, and uh, Dragon Quest, you know, this is probably the best-looking series they've had. And it's also, like, the first uh, fully 3D Dragon Quest that's existed since, I think, Dragon Quest Eight. So, actually playing it, you know, there's something, of course, about living in a world with Toriyama's art style that is just a lot of fun to experience. Also, just realizing how, you know, Dragon Quest, even though it's the Ur example of the JRPG as we know it in the modern world, uh, how absolutely batshit insane it all is, and how none of the enemy types are consistent in any way with the universe. Um, Because, you know, it's Toriyama, and that's, like, by design. (laughs) Um, 
But yeah, I mean, it's a lot of fun. It's a great game. Uh, considering that it's a Dragon Quest game, which the franchise is not exactly known for having the most complicated scenarios, actually very well written and has a lot of fairly emotional parts in it, which is definitely something that I did not expect to see, but happy to see happen. Um, I'm guessing Yuji Omori is getting better at his writing. Um, and, but... Although I've loved the game so far, it is also the one time I've I have probably experienced the worst designed boss battle I've ever encountered in a JRPG. Um, Lee, you've played this game, haven't you? Yeah, I've got about yeah, it's about twenty hours into it, but I'm okay. trying to finish six. Yeah, do you remember the giant spider? Is it Ninja at the beginning? I don't remember. No, it's the uh, when you go on. It's the boss that you fight under Octagonia and the caverns. Um, okay, let me just put it this way. Oh, um, I do remember? Yes, yes, yes. Okay, it is the worst designed boss fight I have ever encountered. Damn, that's cold. Yeah, because okay, so here's the thing. Um, you have at this point a hanger on a guy named Rab and. Rab is eventually he and his partner Jade are going to become party members, obviously. But like with most of the like introductory characters, you find they start out as completely AI characters that you know do you know whatever the AI deems ready. Um, you literally have no control of them at first. Now the problem with this is the boss that we're fighting against, uh, I think he's called the Arachnagon or something like that. Um, he has uh, a series of attacks that are, you know, they can do everything like confuse you, uh, they can take away your ability to do magic, they can poison you, um, all in a very short amount of time. Uh, he also has this really nasty um, uh, attack where he shoots these spines out of his back that basically act like missiles. And uh, basically it can knock out like half your life in like one attack. Okay, now that's already bad enough. Now, traditionally in a Dragon Quest game, when one of your characters in your party dies, what do you have to do? Take him to a church. Yep. Take him to the church, get them resurrected. Yeah. Well, in Dragon Quest Eleven, uh, there is a spell called Zing that your party, can, that members of your party, if they have it, can use and can actually resurrect you during the fight. Very low percentage. Yeah, well, it's like a fifty percent chance it'll work or it'll actually fail. But yeah, it'll, it's a low percentage, but it can get you back into the game. Mm-hmm. Now, at this point in the game, the only character that actually has that power is who is the AI hanger-on that you have absolutely no control over. So if one of your character dies in the middle of battle, it is literally up to him on whether or not he can bring you back. Uh, also keep in mind that technically, even though he's a hanger-on, he's still not technically part of the party, which means that even if he's still alive by the time all of the other characters in your party are dead, you lose. You lose. So on top of all that, you've got 
the fact that this guy can obviously bring back one of your characters back to life if you need it, but at a very low point, and you've got a boss who can basically take out a third of your life with a single attack, and unless one or two of the characters that you're playing with has, like, a heal spell, uh, it can either end the game really quickly, or it'll basically turn into a goddamn war of attrition, (laughs) where you're constantly trying to whittle down this dude's health bar for maybe half an hour until you finally win. I do remember that win being significantly satisfying, but I also don't remember struggling all that much. Then again, I did abuse this combo you can use where like the main character can poison the spider and then the Vegeta-looking guy can use this other move that'll work in conjunction with it to have his um, attacks be times three. Yeah. So you can abuse that. Hmm. Well, I'm far past that point now anyway. <laughs> um, I recently went up against a, went up against the tentacular, which is literally a giant squid. The squid, yeah, that was probably the hardest boss in the game for me. Yeah, it was up to that point. I did find out though that if you go back to yeah, uh, the show thing. Yeah, if you go back to no, if you go back to the uh, to the I think it's uh, Lon Lulu or whatever it's called. It's the Japanese, village, yeah, we, Japanese Hawaii, basically. Yeah. And go up to the cliff with the old lady with the cannon. She'll lend you one of the cannons, and it'll uh, basically, when you go back to fight him again, uh, they'll use the cannon, and it'll basically uh, knock him unconscious for a couple of turns. So you can get some pretty heavy hits in pretty quickly at the start. Yeah, I got I got to revisit eleven, but I, I was gonna wait because um, I've been I've been going back. Like I said I've been trying to go through six, and I was thinking, okay, well I'll do I'll do eleven when it comes out on Switch. But um, now I'm really like, damn, I should just remote play it on my Vita when I can't actually play it. Uh, I will say one thing: if you want to wait until it gets a Switch, um, the big difference between this and the Switch version is the Switch version is actually going to have the full orchestra yeah. soundtrack. And it's supposed to have the 2D version in there, too, as well. Yeah. Which has me. For the record, I don't mind the MIDI soundtrack. I think it's pretty charming. But I, like that. Also, I really didn't like that, the MIDI soundtrack at all. I thought it was bullshit. Yeah. But, but I also, also modded my 3DS to, to do 7 and 8 with the actual uh, orchestral soundtracks as well. So I, I think I'm just used to that now. Yeah. So. Also, I experienced Puff Puff. Oh, well, that's good. <laughs> What is Everyone Puff Puff, should. you ask? Everyone we'll have to should. play the game to find out. Or if you're a Dragon Ball fan, in which case, <laughs> you already know. But, yeah, that's what I've been playing. So, Chris, what about you? Uh, yeah, so I've been playing more Rocket League. I did uh, all of this week's challenges, which were not too hard. Um, kind of the hardest one was just getting... Uh, what was it? It was uh, getting five goals in the extra modes. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I ended up just playing basketball, and that's a game that uh, I like, but I am more I'm better at it than I actually like it. Mm-hmm. It's weird, uh, but yeah, that went uh, pretty well for the most part. Um, yeah, the the servers went down yesterday for a weird uh, bit of time, where it just basically s- turned off all the uh, the rocket pass and shop stuff in the game mm. when I went to go. Uh, 
start some new matches. It's like, oh, something's fucked up here. I'll just quit out and come back later. Um, but yeah, uh, played some more uh, Plague Tale. Uh, did a stream yesterday. Uh, got through two more chapters, and that is just a really, uh, I don't know, it's not fun because it's a depressing game. Um, but it is uh, it is an entertaining game, I guess. Uh, so it is set during uh, I think like. 1328 somewhere around there during the when the plague was going through uh europe mm-hmm. uh the black death and the version that's in this game is kind of more supernatural uh early on you see it as like these just weird holes that pop out of the ground mm-hmm. with some nasty shit that uh like swallows up dudes uh yeah. which especially helps you sort of escape um and uh the thing is the Inquisition somehow is deciding that your family is responsible for this stuff and has uh, resolved to sort of hunt you down and get uh, your little brother, uh, Hugo. You play as uh, Amicia, mm-hmm. the daughter of Lord Robert Darun in, uh, I guess, like southwestern France. Yeah. Um, and the the game itself is kind of a stealth game uh, with a little bit of action and adventure in there. Uh, her main weapon... And uh, ability to like interact with things is through a, a sling mm-hmm. with rocks and that sort of stuff. And uh, you're going around like you know throwing uh, rocks at like a pile of armor that'll clang and knock and get uh, an Inquisition soldier's attention. He goes and runs over there and looks at it, and you go, well, "I'll just run past this." Um, and you're kind of taking your little brother with you, mm-hmm. uh, which. Uh, for the most part, there's no real issues with that. Um, but unlike uh, Last of Us, where your AI companion is you know invisible to every enemy, uh, your little brother is not. And there'll be times where uh, if you have him like stay I can behind, already see where this is going. Uh, or if you like leave him behind, uh, he'll get stressed out, and you have to go you know get closer to him to help him calm him down. Uh, that sort of thing. Which I haven't had any issues with that because you're always holding hands for the mm-hmm. most part. And not in a, like it's a mechanic kind of way. Like whenever uh, you're not telling him to just stay behind so you can do something, uh, you're always holding hands. So, and uh, it's pretty, you know, minimal frustration. It's mostly just when it's when I've had frustration just due to me not understanding what they want me to do uh, in this certain area, and so uh, end up just getting killed a bunch uh, in the stream. I think the yesterday's stream, uh, I got killed probably about 30 seconds in because mm. uh, I just did not pick up what was going on. Mm. Um, but yeah, the it's a uh, it's really fun uh, uh, a game to play as far as uh, me being a big fan of stealth games. Um, but there have been a couple instances where you know wires get crossed and I'm not understanding what's going on because uh, when I started the stream yesterday, uh, I ended up going through this area. Sort of figuring out like how to get past enemies and all that. Uh, then found myself uh, eventually right back where I started. I went in a huge circle. Because the whole area is kind of a circle with like two paths. I just went one way and was like, oh, I'll just keep going because there's more of this like wheat fields that you can get through. It's uh, so, like, well, okay. I guess I'll just go back. Because uh, I just missed this one area. Like the, the ledge that you used to get to the next area sort of thing. Um, but yeah, the I picked up a new companion because uh, you're going to visit the doctor that's uh, his mom, that's your mom, uh, 
has sort of sheltered your brother away from the rest of the family for the, the first few years of his life uh, because he had some sort of medical issue. And like at this point, I know more about what that is uh, and how it potentially ties into things, mm. uh, which is still pretty weird. But uh, I've also learned how to do alchemy, which means I've uh, – they kind of presented it in a weird way. He's like, oh, now you can do alchemy. It's like that's, that's a weird thing to say. Um, and, uh, basically I make this, uh, thing called an ignifier, which essentially lets me throw these rocks at like bonfires and it'll spark up the light. Um, and so the big thing is that the, you might know one of the, the main sources of the plague in Europe is rats mm-hmm. and so these things swarm all over the place. Oh, so the yes. only thing that keeps them away is the light. Mm-hmm. So you're, you know, bringing torches along, uh, lighting sticks on fire, uh, and using ignifier to light up bonfires to sort of create paths of light to get around uh, and that sort of stuff. Um, they kind of sound it, like the krill in Gears of War. Kind of. Uh, it's very – they almost kind of feel like a like a mess. They're more uh, – it's like a blob basically. Kind of, yeah. Like as you move the light around, you can see them like bunching up in areas as they're trying to like – stay at like the edges of the light hmm. uh, but you can kind of push them into areas where they can't actually go anywhere so they just turn into dust mm-hmm. uh, kind of thing so it's kind of a weird uh, like supernatural form of these rats uh, that is just kind of fun to look at uh, for as disgusting as things are like I went through uh, a huge battlefield uh, and with lots of dead bodies you have to walk around on and all that I don't know what specific battle it's from, but uh, probably one around early 1300s, I guess. Mm. Um, but you get into a farm, and there's just tons of dead pigs yeah. uh, as a result of these rats. And you got to really uh, be good with seeing blood because there are a couple points where you have to kind of release uh, fences that are kind of holding these like bloody pig mess behind. That's how you wipe out some of these rat rat areas. Uh, just swarming with blood and dead animals and shit. It's like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's kind of a disgusting game. Um, but yeah, it's it's pretty fun. Uh, it's kind of one of their first big games that isn't licensed because uh, a, a Sobo Studio, I think, is the team. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they made Fuel back in the day, which was that weird open open world uh, motorcycle racing game. Yeah. They had like a absurdly huge map. Mm. Uh, I don't think it was particularly good at that, but they mostly made like Pixar games and assisted with a couple of like Microsoft and and uh, Epic games, with, like Quantum Break, and they worked on some. Uh, what was the Microsoft uh, VR headset? Hololens. Oh, uh, Hololens. Yeah. They worked on a couple games for that too. Hmm. Like that Young Conquer game was them. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, they've done a lot of weird stuff over the years, and this is kind of their first foray into kind of original like storytelling stuff and it's pretty good um i'm probably gonna keep playing that and probably just keep doing videos on our youtube channel as uh just kind of keep that going because i definitely want to keep uh playing it and uh put it up on our youtube channel Hmm. Uh, as for other stuff i've been playing some undead horde which is a new 10 times game which is a a necromancer game Hmm. essentially so you're kind of constantly raising uh, the dead and having them fight in your army yeah, to take out enemies, uh, especially getting into the areas where you have to destroy their houses, uh, which just spawns new 
uh, soldiers, enemies that uh, uh, if you're not careful, you can kind of get overwhelmed with that. I've run a few cases where I'm taking on bears uh, and they just wipe out dudes left and right. Uh, took out a, a named bear. Uh, I forget what it was called. But uh, I had that thing going around with me for a while until it died eventually. Because uh, you can't really heal them too much. No, um, they're dead. Yeah. Yeah. But they have life bars with them uh, that keeps them, that dictates how long they can stick around. So you're kind of refreshing through pretty quickly. But uh, there's a lot of Game of Thrones references in this game. Uh, the first guy I killed, his name is John. Uh, he just came from the wall. <laughs> uh, character made a reference like, John knows nothing, uh, sort of thing. Uh, there have been a couple other characters that have had similar. Uh, references for that sort of stuff, um, but yeah, that was that was uh, it's a fun game. It's a bit out of their wheelhouse, and they're trying new things uh, for their studio. I think their next game is uh, like an open world survival game. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm gonna look it up real quick what it's called. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's fun. It's definitely different. You can definitely tell they're kind of stretching themselves out a little bit uh, because you see. Like the the men, the mini map is kind of very plain and basic. Like, yeah, we kind of got it working, and that's as far as we got mm. uh, compared to some of the better UIs they had for their uh, later shooters. They kind of got more intri- intricate. Um, but yeah, that's uh, that's a pretty cool game. And uh, I've been doing some mobile game now. They have actual room on my phone to actually ha- hold more than like one or two games at once. And mm. um, we talked about it on Let's Week, and I was playing some Pokemon Go. Uh, not really knowing much about it, uh, like what the the circle for catching Pokemon even means, uh, which makes a lot more sense now they know what's going on with that. Um, but I've been playing some other stuff on there. Uh, one game is called Golf Blitz, uh, which is a multiplayer golf game. That uh, kind of neat bit of it is that the uh, each player's balls uh, uh, have physics with each other. So you can kind of knock other people's balls out of the way. Uh, and if you're on like the green and you're going to putt and somebody's ball lands right uh, between you and the hole, you can sit there and do a full uh, power shot and just knock them out of the way. Uh, and there's like a lot of fun stuff with that because you're just basically trying to race to uh, get your ball in the hole first. That sounds awesome and infuriating all at the same time. <laughs> it is, but the matches are like five minutes. It's real oh, okay. quick. Okay. Uh, yeah, and you're kind of you're kind of getting cosmetics all the time uh, with the different uh, uh, like crate card packs you're getting. Uh, you use uh, currency for all that stuff, but otherwise it's it's pretty well done. It's quick, it's fast, and you kind of get in and out uh, pretty quickly, which is nice. Um, also, been playing a game called Pixel Puzzle Collection, which you wouldn't be able to tell from the name, but it is a Konami Picross game. And so it has a lot of puzzles that are, you know, Konami sprites hmm. of characters and such from their arcade and early console days. That's cool. Uh, yeah. And the one issue I have with it is it just serves up puzzles randomly to you. Uh, it doesn't let you, like, pick from a grid of, like, what puzzles you want to do. So uh, you're doing a lot of 5x5 five five early on, which is pretty easy. Uh, but the other nice thing about it is that... It is also actually got it right here. It's just playing like actual Konami music <laughs> the whole time, yeah. uh, and it's completely free. There's no microtransactions or anything. 
the thing that it does do is display ads for lots of Konami games. So like, there was ads for that Castlevania Symphony of the Night uh, collection mm. that they put out uh, late last year, I think it was. Yeah. Uh, there's like uh, Pro Evolution Soccer stuff for the new game. There's a like a literal section just called apps. And it just tells you like all the different games they've been putting out recently, like the the new Castlevania collection uh, and some of their mobile games as well, that sort of stuff. So that's where they are able to make it free, I guess, mm. is to try to fool you on that stuff. But otherwise, it works out pretty well mm. uh, as a a mobile game. Um, the other game I'm playing is Sega Heroes, which is a uh, a puzzle game, basically like Puzzle Quest a little bit. Okay. Uh, we kind of uh, have a team of Sega heroes. And uh, I think what I have now is I have a couple Golden Axe dudes. Uh, Amy Rose from Sonic. Uh, I have one of the uh, Streets or uh, Streets of Rage characters, uh, Blaze Fielding. Hmm. And I also have I.I. from Super Monkey Ball. And there's a bunch of characters in there from Valkyrie Chronicles, uh, what are Shinobi, Sonic, Jet Set Radio... House of the Dead, Streets of Rage, Golden Axe, Crazy Taxi. There's a ton of characters in this mm-hmm. that you can get. But in the the very mobile way, it's all about grinding out yeah. these characters because you can't just unlock them. You have to get like a set amount of their cards, and then you can spend like in-game currency to unlock them uh, for that. Or you can uh, go into the the money pit section where it says, "Hey, for uh, you know X amount of money." Uh, we'll give you a ton of cards for this character that you can use to unlock them. And I got a lot of stuff here that's you can buy like seventy five hundred gems for a hundred bucks. Wow, <laughs> that's a lot of stuff. Which that's uh, a lot of gems. Like a lot of these, like unlocking characters uh, thing is like three hundred to five hundred gems. So you're basically wanting to like unlock everything, mm-hmm. basically. But I can spend twenty bucks. And unlock a rare Welkin Gunther from Valkyria Chronicles, uh, and a bunch of like the currency used to keep to unlock them. Hmm. Uh, yeah, it says resources for four star level twenty and level four skills, which I think all my characters are kind of at. They're leveled up with what my level is, like level nine, but their character levels, their ability levels are not that high. So yeah, like I have all like the basic characters. And I see where the grind is, and that's about where I'm about ready to like, just delete the game. Because <laughs> it's uh, a little bit much. Mm. Uh, and yeah, I was also playing Plants vs. Zombies 2, which uh, is fun for the Plants vs. Zombies aspect of it, but uh, there's way too much uh, microtransactions in this game. Because you can't get most of the plants that are in the game. Mm. You have to actually spend money on each one specifically. Yep. Uh, which is not what the first game was at all. Mm. Uh, the first game was uh, you play through the campaign and you unlock everything, or almost everything. You had to buy some more f- off the shop, but uh, those are all in-game uh, transactions. And here, they want you to pay cold hard cash for different uh, plants and no real way to unlock them if you just grind it out. Mm. I think a couple of them I have gotten the cards to uh, potentially unlock them, but I still have to pay you know the five bucks or whatever for to actually play it, hmm. even though I have the the cards to potentially unlock it. 
So yeah, it's like a lot of bullshit like that. That's where I want them to just put out a straight up Plants vs. Zombies 2 on consoles and uh, PC. That's yeah. you know is like the original. And you know, charge me 10, 15 bucks, whatever, up front, and let me just do what I want with it. Because yeah. other than that, like the the mechanics are all pretty solid for the most part. It's, uh, and uh, yeah, it's kind of the big bummer there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the last thing is I've been playing more Borderlands, uh, Game of the Year uh, edition on PS4. Uh, I found out as of when I was level 30, I found out a huge new mechanic that completely changes it. Uh, so when you're driving, if you hit X, uh, you can lock on to enemies that are uh, around and just have your uh, your turret auto aim at that stuff. Very mm. going by instead of stopping, you know, trying to maneuver your car around to where they're at and uh, try to lead them with a shot. Mm. It's like, oh, this would have been nice if you told me this like 20 hours ago, <laughs> sort of thing. Uh, and I guess it's a thing that really nobody really knew about. Mm. Because uh, uh, I mentioned this to other people, like, wait, what? I beat the game. I didn't know about this uh, sort of thing. It's like, oh. I was going to say, I have never heard of that. Yeah. I was like, this is what actually be useful because the, the car combat stuff has not been great. It's been kind of frustrating, especially when you're trying to uh, kind of cheese it and just take out enemies in areas where you're not supposed to be at. Yeah. Uh, just take them out uh, ahead of time. And it's like, the aiming is so finicky. Uh, for that stuff, and it's like, well, this makes that stuff a lot easier. Uh, whether you can, you know, get the f- kind of fine aim, fine aim uh, through like openings for buildings and such is still to be seen. But otherwise, like the characters are out in the open, that's a lot easier now. Hmm. Um, but yeah, I am probably heading towards the, the final stuff in that game. I've gotten pieces of the key for the vault. So I'm working my way towards that. Um, but yeah, that's been real good, and I think it's been pretty much it. How about you, Dan Rob? Yeah, uh, last week I played uh, the latest episode of Life is Strange 2. Um, and I don't really know how I feel about it yet, but I do know that at this point I like it a whole lot better than the original one. Uh, so for those who are unaware, Life is Strange 2 follows uh, these two brothers. Um, so the, the original characters aren't there. But um, yeah, it's 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 some crazy stuff. It, it takes place a little bit after um, like Trump takes office as they try to go ahead and make you assume some things, and um, yeah, some shit happens. And now they're on a journey to, on their journey to Mexico, and um, I've, I've reached a point in the game where um, I'm not. I don't want to give away too much, but now I'm pretty much hanging out with a bunch of hippies, and um, in order to make money, we have to uh, go to an illegal um, marijuana place and cut buds. So. Yeah, uh, little brother's a part of it. He's like nine. He shouldn't be doing that shit. And at the same time, he has powers. So um, as mature as I want the older brother to be, you know, he's kind of powerless because, you know, his younger brother can pretty much end him at any, at any time. And it makes things rather complicated. Um, yeah, it's, it, it's, it's cool so far. And I'm really looking forward to where they go next. Um, I also made the main character fuck in that game. So that's pretty cool. Uh <laughs> I'm also playing. Um, yeah, uh, I was. I was trying to say, yeah, that does happen. <laughs> and then I'm playing uh, Justice for All on the Phoenix Wright Ace Attorney trilogy. Playing it right now, actually, and uh, yeah, there's a lot of stuff I don't remember, so it's still uh, still a fresh game. Hmm. But that's pretty much it. Um, I'm. I also um, have been on the fence about whether I want to try out Borderlands or just catch up with uh, Shenmue. 
Um, because I remember when I first started Shenmue maybe a, a year ago with my Dreamcast, I was like, man, these controls did not age well. And I heard they did, they did not fix it with the uh, HD versions. Nope. Like that's, that, that's where I'm at with that. But I, I'm sure I'll get into it. What about you, Lee? Uh, I've been keeping it kind of the same. I'm still slowly working my way through Assassin's Creed Origins. Um, definitely enjoying the hell out of that. Um, I, I'm actually really kind of shocked at how uh, how much it's been able to keep my attention. I was really <clears throat> I figured I'd burn out by now, but I haven't. And uh, yeah, so that's that's been good. I've been doing a been playing some WoW because my wife wanted me to get back into it and, and play with her, so I've been doing that. And uh, I think I've actually spent the most time with it. it hasn't really actually been all that game related. Was um, was with this hacked Vita stuff, like just the the stuff that you can do on this system now that it's hacked and that the hack is for the current firmware is just nuts. Like I'll tell you guys some more about it on on uh, when we're not actually like you know <laughs> doing the podcast, but. Um, I have never seen something that was like, I guess this easy to hack, um, but also like just paid such incredible dividends. Like the stuff that I can do now is just, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really, I'm re- and it, it was super easy. I didn't have any issues. Like I just, yeah, I'm really impressed with it. I'll, and I'll tell you guys about it when we're actually offline. But uh, oh man, oh man, it's dope. <laughs> it's dope. So, yeah, the funny part is I've been thinking about this stuff like with emulation and hacking systems and everything, and I almost kind of think, like, I don't know what it is, but I I sometimes feel like maybe I enjoy the the actual act of, like, hacking this stuff more than at the end of the day being able to do, like, you know, play different things and do it, because I just don't have that much time, but there's just something really fun about the tinkering process. and like It's a thing. And getting getting this stuff to do something that it's not supposed to is just fun, you know. So yeah, I'll tell you guys more about that when we end the show. But it's uh, anybody who doesn't have their their Vita hacked is is, is uh, on some bullshit. They need to. Yeah. It's great. Yeah, it, for me, like when when I do like console hacking and stuff, it's it's kind of revelatory because it's it shows you all of this stuff that could have been done. Right. If yeah. the, the the companies involved, you know, didn't have their heads up their asses, uh, basically. Yeah, yeah. Like like one of the things that I've been starting to mess with is um, uh, an app called Moonlight, which they've they've put out before, which lets you stream stuff from your PC. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's just one of those things where you think about it, like, and I think I think maybe part of it too feels better because it's a Sony system because we know how much they like locking shit down, mm-hmm. you know. So like like. Because I, I've hacked an Xbox before, and I've done all, and you know it, it's you know it is what it is. But nothing is has produced the same kind of uh, feeling, I guess, as like when I'm hacking like a, a Sony system or, or even, even Apple. Like, yeah, I'm doing some shit you don't want me to do. You know, like I don't I don't know how else to explain it, but it's just it's great. You know, <laughs> it's like when I was when I hacked my PS3 uh, Slim. I uh, realized that uh, uh, Sony like runs their fans uh, to keep the system quiet. Uh, they run their fans so slow yeah. um, that that system is very slowly baking itself to death. Yeah. So, uh, and one of the uh, one of the the default things, which is which is ironic because my fucking pro sounds like it's going to take off every time I play the goddamn thing. Yeah. 
Like, yeah. So it's like, you know, it's like the default that one of the first things that happens when you uh, install a custom firmware on your PS3 uh, is you notice that the fans get louder, but your temperatures also go down. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, there's that. Yeah, well, and you know, it's, that part of it is really interesting because you can actually overclock the Vita with it hacked as well. But I've not wanted to do that because, frankly, Sony's history with systems that you know are baking themselves is is pretty current. You know, like you know, we've all had a reball PS3s and all that. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know if I really want to adjust much. Like, I certainly don't want to deal with overclocking because. Sony's on some bullshit. They've always been on some bullshit. I feel like this might not be a good idea, but at the same time, you know, um, when you do end up do hacking it, even like with just something like what you're talking about, Phil, where it's all of a sudden like, hey, wait a minute, you know, like this thing's actually running cooler. Like, you guys are dicks, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, yeah, it, it's just one of those things. Yeah. So. Well, next up, you got to hack your Switch and. You'd be really surprised about what the what that community is. Yeah, I got to figure out what I'm going to do with that because my Switch is on current firmware, but I know my son is going to want to get a Switch at some point. So I don't know. I'm, I'm waiting to see what they do with like the whole Pro model thing and or, you know whatever the fuck it is they're actually going to be doing. Yeah. Um, well, here's the thing so, about the Switch: the firmware is irrelevant. Wait, coming in. Hacking the switch, the firmware is irrelevant. The the exploit is at the hardware level, so they can't patch it regardless of what firmware they put on it. So it's dreamcasted. Yep. See, that's what's so interesting about. Well, I'm go- well again. We'll have to have this conversation when we when we get off the uh, yeah. the show. But uh, that's interesting because with the Vita, one of the things that's the most interesting to me about um, what you can do with it is the big part of it is is if you're if you're, if you're current on a PSTV or a Vita, if you're on three seven zero, what you do is is when you when you hack it with this exploit called uh, Trinity, when you hack it with Trinity and Trinity's done, you just um, you just uh, once you you install this uh, this base firmware that basically you downgrade the system and then you you hack it out, and what happens is is you just then spoof PSN the actual uh, firmware version that whatever the game you're looking for is or whatever PSN is looking for is, and that you that's what you tell it you have. Yeah. So you you're on you know three like I think I think the base hack is three seventy or excuse me three sixty the one that you downgrade to, and um, but when you when you hack it, you know you're on 360, which you're telling PSN, hey, I'm on 370, and you're good. You okay. can download anything that you actually own. Like it's it's absurd. Like, and it just again, I feel like I'm getting away with something that I probably shouldn't because I know how Sony is. Yeah. You know, so it's it's a nice feeling. Yeah. So, so fuck Sony, goddamn assholes. <laughs> so yeah, that's it. All right, so let's get into the news of the week then. Uh, so in the game delay news, uh, who didn't see this one coming? Uh, Skull and Bones, uh, Ubisoft's take on, well, more realistic take, I suppose, on Sea of Thieves uh, has been. Well, actually, it's more like it's more like the the full game version of the ship combat from from Assassin's Creed Four. Well, it's yeah, Black Flag. It's literally just that. Yeah, but they decided to expand it into an entire game, and this isn't looking too good because I'm guessing they're finding it difficult to try and ex- to take that one mechanic and expand it out into an entire game. <laughs> well, that or they're looking at Sea of Thieves and seeing all the mistakes that they're making, and it's like, well, okay, let's take some time and not do that. Well, Sea of Thieves has sort of evolved since then. They've added new. Uh, 
mechanics to it. They've got a they've got a campaign in there now. Yeah, so, but uh, it still has that base problem of basically just being, being sea a, of thieves, being <laughs> a bully simulator. So, yeah, yeah. So yeah, this one's been delayed till 2020. I mean, I I kind of I'm kind of into this concept, but uh, the, the more they delay it, the the more questions I have. So, yeah. Eesh. So I guess completely we'll see. understandable. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Okay, so we got release date for Samurai Showdown. Uh, June 25th for PS4 and Xbox One. And I, I gotta so go glad. pre-order it now. <laughs> that is the same week as Early Access Final Fantasy XIV Shadowbringers. <laughs> and Super Mario Maker. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, June, third week of June is uh, when you have no more money. So Yeah. Enjoy and then, like around that same time, the following month is when you're basically going to go half rob some motherfucker because that's when Fire Emblem Three Houses comes out. <laughs> is that that's June, right? That's what, July. But, July. July. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Shit. It's gonna be a, be a strong, strong. We month used to there. talk about the summer drought, and I don't. I don't think you can not talk this about a drought. Period. Like not these days. Like I mean, there's oh. just there's just too much. Like nowadays, it's like, there's just too much of everything. You know. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I'm uh, I'm not pre-ordering. Uh, I got bit twice already. Uh, not doing that again, especially on the digital product. So it's like yeah, completely understandable. It, so. Guys, yeah. I'm in such a weird place now with digital stuff because, like, we have two Xboxes in the house, and my son wants to play upstairs, and I want, you know, I play downstairs, and and just like the, the convenience of it is like a really big deal, but at the same time, it's also about like I don't want to do that, but uh, just because of the like, and it's a little bit easier with Microsoft because at least I feel like I can kind of trust them. Like, I was looking at pre, I was looking, at, I don't remember even what it was, but I was looking at pre-ordering something the other day on PSN, and it was like. So if you pre-order and you decide you don't want the shit, they just put it back on your wallet. They don't put it back on your card, which is bullshit. Like, give me my yep. fucking money, you assholes. I got bit by that. Yeah, so I just, yeah. I, and that's the reason I ended up keeping Mortal Kombat 11. It's like, well, I don't want whatever this amount is on my PlayStation wallet. I want it back on my you know bank account. But mm-hmm. if I can't have that, well, I might as well just keep it. Yeah, and I feel like they, they're definitely like expecting that to work out that way. Like, oh well, you know, mm. we just put it back on the wall. They're just gonna go fuck it, you know. Whereas like I've 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 had stuff that I bought on on Xbox where I'm like, this did not end up how I wanted it. And Microsoft, sure, we'll give you a refund. Yeah. Whereas with Sony, they're like, all right, so you have to collect the seven horror cruxes. Um, and then we want you to fucking sacrifice a virgin. Then we want to want you to sacrifice a virgin baby. Then we just want a baby. Uh, and then we also want a side of ribs. And then we'll do all that, and it's only going back to your PSN wallet. Yeah, that's not my ex- that's not my experience with Xbox at all. They told me to go fuck off for the game I hadn't even played because they couldn't tell how long I had played it. Really? Yeah, they told me to go fuck off. I they do the automated thing, and that yeah. didn't work. Uh, and I did the manual thing. Did you like, call them? Yeah, no, no, I'm not going to call them. Oh, see, well, that's, I that's, tried re- twice. that's re-fucked up. I've caught the only time I've ever dealt that's with. That's not my fault. That's their fault. Well, no, no, I'm not, I'm not saying. I'm not, work. I'm not saying that you're you're wrong. I'm just saying for that kind of stuff. I anytime I ever deal with refunds, I always call somebody. I never fucking do the automated shit because you're just asking for somebody to be like, yeah, fuck this guy. Hmm. Yeah, you I know? shouldn't have to fucking talk to people when they <laughs> well, set that, up extra <laughs> couple different ways to fucking refund a thing. 
Okay. I feel that in my soul. Oh my god, alright. You know, so I've had to buddy. call people for, and it's the fucking worst. Either make you wait for a long time, or you have to argue with them. Uh, that, that that's shit, just, it's like, well, fuck that's just never been my shit. experience, man. I'm, I, I don't know, maybe because I've always I've done customer service for so long, I'm practically like blowing the people when I'm on the phone. Like, yeah, could you just do this for me? They're like, yeah, no fucking problem, because everybody abuses them when they get called. So. I don't abuse them either. Hmm. Well, I'm not saying you do. I'm just I know, I'm saying I... I just say, hey, look, I bought this. I don't really want it anymore because it, it was something that was on sale, but it was on sale for five bucks cheaper on PSN a couple of days later. I was like, I hadn't played it. I downloaded it, deleted it. I, I, wonder, like, I wonder if it's you mentioning PSN. They're like, fuck this guy. I didn't even mention it. <laughs> I was just like, I'd like to return this because there's supposed to be no questions asked. Yeah. They were just like, no, it doesn't meet our – it violates our rules of return, whatever it is. <laughs> Sorry, you've like, had that. Uh, I have no idea what this means. Sir. That sucks. It's yeah. bullshit. I can I can tell you feel strongly about this, Chris, because you normally <laughs> never sound this animated. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> you like I as soon as we mentioned Microsoft and Refund, he's like, like these that. motherfuckers right here. Yeah, piss me off. Alrighty. It's like the worst thing you can do is like not let me return something that I have obviously well, see, didn't that, use. But that's that's why like my whole big thing is with staying with like physical is just like. It's not even the most convenient thing for me now. I don't have to deal with the data cap stuff that we've talked about in the past, but there's just still something about like – I mean physical, the problem is depending on the game, there could be huge updates for it. Yeah. Especially if it's like I mean, a Bethesda game. I guess the thing is is I don't buy most shit day one anyway. I'm different than, than you guys. Where you'll, you'll, I, so I'm like typically like, like look, at, look at me with Assassin's Creed Origins. This shit came out in 2016. <laughs> yeah. And here I am in 2019 like, guys, I'm having a great time. And that's because all the bullshit that was in it they fucking had to fix you know, before I ever jumped in the fucking pool. So, yeah, um, I got that a bit later too. I got, that was the only disc I had in my Xbox One for a while. Yeah. Now it's Fallout 76. <laughs> Because I got that for three bucks. Yeah. <laughs> my my the the second the second X that I bought came with a voucher for it, but I don't know where the voucher went. You're not missing much. Oh no, I'm not. <laughs> it was one of those things. Where, that was actually one of those things where I wish it had come with a disc, so I could just go to Walmart and be like, "Hey, man, I got this for my birthday, and uh, I already own it." And they could, and just like, I don't want you to give me money back because you just like, could you just like you know give me store credit? And they'd be like, "Yeah." And then I go buy some shit I actually want. <laughs> so, yeah. Okay. Well, now that we know how Chris feels about refunds. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah it, like when I pre-ordered the PS4, there was like some weird thing. I put it on a specific card and like that uh, didn't have the money for it when the the random time they decided to check it before validating that I was going to get it at launch. And so I uh, sw- swapped it over uh, after that. And it's like, well, you're not getting it at launch. Like, Wait, what the fuck? <laughs> like they don't give a heads up. Like, hey, we're gonna try and charge you who, at this point. This? Amazon, hmm. and they fucked me over. I had to wait till like the Sunday after launch. Hmm. It launched on a Friday, I think. And I had See, to bitch them know, out. I would say I, I call I call Amazon pretty regularly too. I don't know if you've given them a call for that kind of thing, but they will bump up some one day shipping and give you money. Yeah, yeah. there's a I think I got like fifty dollars, and they tried to bump it up. But it still only got there on Sunday. Hmm. Like three days, I was like, yeah. like they've tried to argue like the two day shipping isn't launch shipping. Mm. When I had Prime for games and such, and I was like, 
No, that's literally what you say is launch shipping yeah. for Prime members. Chris, I think they might just hate you, dog. That's why I don't have Prime anymore at Amazon. <laughs> so I was like, enough of this bullshit. Yeah. Uh, yeah that's yeah, why yeah, I went yeah. with Best Buy's Gamers Club Unlocked, because yeah. that was great, because I could get it the day of. Uh, I got 20% off. And yeah, I I, God, I wish that was still around. Mm. Yeah, that's the reason why I'm mostly digital now, because I, I don't want to pay 60 bucks and go drive to a place. Mm. Yeah. yeah. I don't want to fuck with Amazon shipping because I was also the end of their end of the delivery route. Yeah. So I get it the night after the night of launch. Well, obviously the key, the key, here, the key here for you, Chris, is to move and then call people. <laughs> you have these oh yeah, you want to help make me phone calls that? and move. No, no, I'm just I'm offering I'm offering a suggestion that in no way that you will you will do. Yeah. I'm just putting it out there. Yeah, I'll just spend a ton of money just so I'm on the I'll find Amazon's route. Exactly. It's that important, really. Right. You should, you okay. got you gotta go where the commerce is. Yeah. It's like yeah. hey deliver guy, where's the first part of your route? Okay, let me look for houses there. Yeah. Yeah, fuck yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So Amazon's let's... supposed to have great shipping, they fucking suck. Mm-hmm. And they got the fucking richest man in the world behind them. <laughs> and he can't figure this shit out. Mm. Chris, are you okay, man? <laughs> yeah, fuck him. <laughs> we're we're gonna move, we're gonna move it on to Microsoft. Uh, Just the salt that's flowing this morning. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, man, maybe this will make somebody happy. Uh, Microsoft has revealed Minecraft Earth. So, if you don't like Pokemon or Harry Potter, uh, now you can do your AR with Minecraft. I'm I'm not interested in that, but I think it's cool. Mm. Oh, lots of dicks. You'll find that. <laughs> we'll just build dicks all over the place. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I uh, actually do a flick. conclusion we've got here. Here, yep. I'll, show you a, I'll show you a tweet of Steve Kim who envisioned this. <laughs> yeah. I, I would assume that Microsoft will have some sort of moderation going on with this. Uh, How? <laughs> like, where do you even... <laughs> well, I mean, they've got all the data of where the stuff is, so... Uh, I would imagine they'd have to have some kind of... They just have a filter in place for anything that looks remotely phallic? Probably. <laughs> wouldn't um, surprise me. Yeah, it wouldn't be too surprising. And then people that. will find a way to work around it. Yeah, as usual, that's something that does tend to happen. Uh, but that's kind of cool. I suspect mm-hmm. that uh, this is going to do pretty well for them. Uh, Minecraft is still huge. Yeah, mm-hmm. it is. You know, you know, Roblox has been kind of... Uh, you know trying to get into that market and I guess they've had a following but Minecraft is still the 800 pound gorilla there for as far as a lot of people are concerned yeah that's really true mm. alright here that is yeah. let's see see if I can get back to Skype <laughs> yeah nope that's the wrong thing I don't want to share screens <laughs> there and you could mm. so oh yeah <laughs> Um, yeah, go ahead and watch that. Yeah, everybody's got the nice face going on. It's like, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, Minecraft porn. That's yeah, that's happening. Unfortunately, uh, right. sign me up, baby. Nothing does it. Nothing does it more for me than pixelated boobs. <laughs> Ever since the original Tomb Raider, I like them triangles. <laughs> yeah, what a joke. Uh, okay, so uh, we just completely derailed this. Do you guys just want to like talk about something else, like maybe a Middle East exit strategy or 
Yeah, we got Let's Weekend for that shit. <laughs> yeah. Well, we can talk about Riot Games, uh, which yeah. is a story that we've been following for the past... Uh, I mean, this thing keeps developing, because I think we've been talking about it for the past three weeks. Uh, it's the gift that keeps on giving. Yeah. Uh, so they said yeah, they were going to let Very much their, like herpes. Yeah. They said they were going to let their uh, newer employees opt out of this arbitration clause... Uh, and then they said they weren't, and then there was a big walkout, and now they said, no, we're still not going to let you opt out of arbitration for the, for this. No. Um, so, nice. so these guys should be uh, updating their resumes. Yeah. yeah. Is that really the hill they want to die on as a company? Well, you got to remember, man, a lot of this, like we've talked about in, the, in, in, in previous shows, is a lot of these guys are kind of in a way – um, recruiting out of a out of a captive audience, you know, like where these these people are like, man, I'm gonna go fucking live my dreams and do this shit, and, and it just doesn't end up that way. But I think the other thing that happens, and I think everybody on this podcast has had it happen to them at a certain point, is you get you can get comfortable where you are, even as bad as it may be, because you're just treating it like, well, the devil, you know. And with stuff like this, a lot of it is all about. Um, Let's just make this as uncomfortable as possible for these folks that are that are going to be doing this. And it's shitty, but unfortunately, it's just how a lot of these places work. Yep. Yeah, I like this part. They talk about DNI diversity and inclusion at the company. On this topic, the statement promises changes or quote at a minimum mutual understanding. What? <laughs> so we're, we promise changes, or at the very least, you'll understand why we're completely shitty. Yeah, that's yeah. that's much better. We'll come to a mutual understanding. Oh, we'll mutually understand that I'm going to be putting out resumes. <laughs> Just so you know how we're going to fuck you, we're going to tell you about it right beforehand. Yeah, well, I'm going to help you mutually understand how I'm going to start set the building on fire. <laughs> You're going to mutually understand some feet up some people's asses. Yeah. I think it's about time we have a riot at Riot. I I don't think that's too far off. Wrong. This... Oh, yeah, this is, this is good. This group will be led by Riot's Chief Diversity Officer, Angela Roseborough, and corporate members of the Riot team from all around the company are to take a, quote, proactive approach to share perspectives, create change, and identify barriers and opportunities to move us forward in DNI and culture. These people are so oh, fucked. Be a fly what, on the wall. what does that even mean? We're yeah. going to talk. Yeah. yeah. There's, a, there's a lot of corporate speak there. We uh, hear you. We hear you at Riot. You know, let us, we understand what you're going through. <laughs> well, you, you should because you're the ones that are putting oh, – You're yeah. the ones that are doing this to us. Like, yeah, yeah the dick that's in our ass belongs to you. Yeah. Oh, and they're basically saying like – we're going to have a firm answer. I got a quote here. We remain committed to having a firm answer around extending an opt-out to all writers when active litigation concludes. Okay. It almost sounds like when the president talks about how he can't release his taxes because he's being audited. <laughs> and it's like, no, the IRS says you can release it. Yeah. No, it's want to. These shady. people don't want to give him an answer. <laughs> the answer they want, at least. Yeah. I mean, you see, we've got litigation. You guys keep suing us, so we can't change anything. Mm-hmm. Because you keep suing us. Yeah, that's the whole thing of like the beatings will continue until morale improves. Like, yeah. I feel like you don't understand how this might actually work. Yeah. yeah. Well, this is, uh, you know, Riot Games. They do produce probably one of the most, one of the games with the most toxic communities. Yeah. I would agree with that. Yeah, uh, and one of the most popular le- games in the world. Yeah. Which, which kind of, what does that kind of tell you about like, 
the world that we're living in, right? Like just if they have, they're like the most one of the most popular games ever as far as online, and their community is completely fucking absolutely one hundred percent toxic. So I think we can just you know assume that most people are actually also toxic, like. Yeah. You know, it's like a beacon for dickheads. Hmm. So, yeah, I don't know. Uh, it kind of depends on whether or not you're doing ranking or not. Hmm. Yeah. I've noticed that if you're if you're like a newcomer and you're not doing ranking, it's actually yeah. You're, there's usually a lot of people who will you know help introduce you to the game and how it works and everything. But yeah. once you get into ranking, that's where the real dicks come in yeah. because. I just think it's so interesting doing anything online for the most part because you just – you treat like finding a nice person as like an anomaly. Like kind of like how you would you would like ch- – like like that, that chick from Total Recall that had three boobs. Like that's what it's like. You're like, oh my god, yeah. a nice person. Yeah, it's this like when amazing. I'm playing Rocket you know? League and give up a goal and I'm like – Oh, nobody said nice save. What a save, like sarcastically. Nobody told you to go fuck quick chat. Yeah, yeah, it's like, oh, you're not an asshole. At least not right now. Yeah, Yeah, like when I come across occasionally, like a group when I when I pick up Overwatch every once in a while for like the holiday stuff that they do, and then I I can encounter like people that are like, yeah, we're working good as a team, guys. You want to queue up again? You're like, what? (laughs) This, what kind of fucking trickery and fuckery is this? You know, like. I don't know, but then, you know, you talk about the toxicity and ties into everything, like, you know, that we're also, I think, for the most part, a lot of game players, like, as we've talked about on the show previously, um, are, are completely willing to put up with that kind of thing if it's something that they actually like, which then when it comes to a game like like uh, like Dota, where it's like you're, you are playing with assholes, then I think also maybe that says something about maybe who you are. <laughs> Not to dig too deep in it, or like, or it's either you're also part of that asshole crew, or you want to be someone that can behave that way, or you're one of those people that can just turn it off and be like, "fuck it." And I don't know very many people that are like that. Yeah, and there's also well a small force of people who are like, "okay, that don't I don't want it to see that way to to go that way." So yeah. I'm gonna stick around. I'm gonna do everything I fucking can to try to turn this community around. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. There are some of those people, so. They're few and far between, though, so... Anyway. They really are. Yeah. Uh, so let's go to CD Projekt Red, who, uh, for Cyberpunk 2077, are implementing a non-mandatory crunch option. This is also complete bullshit like this arbitration clause, because all that's going to do, because I've been in situations like that, all it's going to do is create an environment where people are like... Uh, you guys remember the, the stuff that we had read about Rockstar? Mm-hmm. That's essentially yeah. what this is, where it's like, yeah, you don't have to crunch, but everybody's going to hate your fucking guts if you don't. Like, that's what this comes down to. It's them making a policy where they're like, yeah, guys, um, we're not going to make you crunch, and it'll be cool, but what's going to happen is is everybody around you, all the other team members are going to be like, what the fuck? Like, yeah. we're over here doing fucking 14-hour days. Why aren't you? And I'm, and the re- and, and I've, I've been through that, actually, myself in my career, where I would be like, no, nah, I'm, I'm, I'm actually kind of going through it to a certain extent right now. At my job, where it's like we're we're really overloaded right now. There's nothing we can do about it. Um, sales sold way more than than we had planned to staff for, and so it's just kind of like, well, you know, guys, it's just going to be crazy here for a couple of months. And uh, back in the day, these would be those times where I would work 12, 14 hours a day, but I'm not doing that anymore. And like I had that conversation with my boss, like I'm not going to do it. And the thing is, is that I'm comfortable enough in my job that if some of the other people that work with me are going to do the 12 and the 14 hour days. 
that's on them. But I could totally see it in a in – because what I do is, is not necessarily collaborative. I do my job separately of the same people that do the same job as me. But yeah. I could totally see it for something like you know, you're working on a game and it's like, well, what the fuck, Phil? You're not here fucking you know, X amount of hours like the rest of us because you want to go be with your wife, you prick. Like – yeah, we, we have to sit here and we got to get these models out and we got to do this and we got to, you know, the, write these stories and blah, 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 blah. So, yeah, I it's they can do that all they want. Um, but I think, unfortunately, the other thing that's going to happen in this situation is, is that everybody wants this game, you know, like I'm one of the people I want this fucking game. But and, and I think it's going to end up creating something, a, a type of situation that's really horrible for the people that are creating it, because it's, there is a difference, though, in in that. Uh, unlike a lot of studios, CD Projekt Red actually pays their employees. Properly. That is true too. They're not they're not pulling another realm and being like, "Hey, temps." Yeah. Guess uh, what? Yeah. Though I I do kind of find this sort of thing hilarious because they take their sweet time on games. Yeah. And it's like, okay, so there has to be poor management with this that you guys are uh, taking this long to make uh, these games. Because especially this... when you're saying like, "Hey." You don't need to come in this weekend if you don't want to, uh, but you know it would be nice. We could use the help, sort of thing. Like, yeah. there's got to be time management well, issues here. The yeah, no, that's definitely correct. But the only other part of this that's sort of that's that I I can sympathize with with game companies uh, to a certain extent is that one of the biggest problems, and you've seen this happen historically, right? When we look at, at uh, companies that have had these kinds of problems. One of the things that's happened historically with this stuff is that the basic question comes down to how do you quantify what is fun? You know, like uh, Blizzard is a, is a fantastic example of this, where they ended up, you know, killing Titan after working on it for seven years and then basically pulling out the straps and making Overwatch with it. The big thing that they just kept coming back to was, is this is just not fun. You know, and yeah. so no matter no matter what kind of design you're making or whatever it is that you're doing, if what you're producing isn't fun for people to play or you're not actually having fun, you know, trying to get everything together, then it's just not going to work. And I think that's the, that's the hard part. And I think it's developers switch to a lot more agile stuff, the, the agile style of developing. The biggest thing that's going to be important is making sure that that foundation is, is sound. Like is the core loop of what we're trying to do fun. And if that is, then you can add all the other shit around it. Um, yeah. But then you can also deal with feature creep, and there's just there's so many things that come into play. So I feel for developers on that too. But then, then to your point though, Chris, I think I think I think the video game industry as a whole has an issue with time management and general project management. Yeah. Um, I, I think, and, and I don't again though, I don't know how you correctly address that when, like with Word, if you're if you're creating you know something in fucking Word, and you're like, we want Word to do this. You know, it, it's pretty cut and dry of this is what we're trying to accomplish and, you know, this is what we're trying to do. Whereas we want this game to be fun. Like that's not something that, that's the same as like I want to make sure that when I hit this button, this paragraph indents properly. Or I want to be able to drag something into this document and attach it. Like, it's just such a completely different base set of dynamics that, yeah. that I do think that that stuff is hard. But I, I also think, you know, all they really had to do was make – Witcher three and just make it cyberpunk and it would have been fine. So, you know, you're yeah. you're, you're going on to try and do something at least semi different or whatever. I mean, it's just I do yeah. feel for the developers, but it's, there's definitely management issues as a whole in yeah. the industry. Yeah. No doubt. Anytime you have to crunches means that somebody fucked up here, 
to get us to this point where we feel like we have to crunch and put these people through hell yeah. to get this well, game to where it needs to be. Yeah, and crunch. I mean, crunch happens. I think in software, no matter what you do. But the 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 more I think the bigger factor of it is is that is your entire environment conducive to actually being able to make good decisions so you can avoid this stuff as much as possible. And yeah. I think historically what we've seen in the video game industry is no, that's absolutely not the case. Like these guys are just there. There's so much of this shit happens when you're dealing with so much middle management. Right. And like, that's kind of what some of this really feels like is there. There's a middle manager. That's like, I got to impress my bosses. And so in order to do that, we got to produce this thing at this time, this way. And you're like, you're a dick. You don't even know what the fuck you're talking about. You're not helping with this situation. Like, there's just so much shit that can happen, and it's just, I don't know, it's just bad. I feel for them, but it, it's just a hard thing to, to have to deal with. Yeah, like games are such a a, a mix of disparate elements. Like you have your audio team working on that, art team working on this, design team working on this, you know, programmers and all that. And it's like yeah. at some point that has to come together, and you also have to have it points early on to see how well it's coming together, know if like we should keep putting time into that yeah. or make changes. And it's amazing that games get made, but sometimes it feels like you wish that there wasn't, you know, uh, stockholders involved in this process. We're like, we need this out by this point or else, you know, we're going to start selling your stock and make it tank. Yeah. And you know what? I think that that, I think actually, Chris, I think you bring that up is really, really, uh, uh, important thing to point out because like um just on a personal note like my company just went private recently and the reason that they did it is because they wanted to my understanding is is they want to make a lot of investment in terms of r&d that wall street would have banged us for and would have really hurt the fucking stock price for and it's something that we've been dealing with for a long time because our business is cyclical um just like everybody else's is but the the more important piece of it is is that you also have to innovate in the space that we do nobody really thinks about like what my company does and goes oh well, what would be innovative in that space whereas like if you look at video games it's like well what kind of tools can we make can we is this an engine that we can end up selling like that kind of stuff um and wall street is really really bad where it's everything is focused on quarterly you know what are we going to do and look look at look at how those those types of things have also produced i think some of the cluster fucks like i think if you had a company like um, uh, uh, Bioware that was dealing with things like Anthem and they didn't have to worry about basically EA breathing down their neck to go, this is how you need to produce it in this way. Like on top of their leadership problems, also worrying about stock prices and how they're going to get hurt if they don't produce something in this quarter yeah. is is really, really detrimental to the industry. And unfortunately, that's yeah. just kind of the, the, the system that we live in, which really sucks because yeah. I think it's I think it's really inhibiting art. Yeah, you definitely can look at the the schedule for releases. Like, okay, every year by March 31st, you're going to see a glut of releases because those publishers are like, shit, we need to get this out so it's on our fiscal year. We got to get something Uh, on the fiscal year calendar. Yeah, and we need that in that revenue coming in then to help boost the numbers and that sort of stuff. And it's like, you know, some of it works out, but some of it's also like, you know, what Blizzard has done with uh, Mass Effect and Anthem, where it's like those games could have clearly used. You know, an extra six months to a year yeah. to work on well, that, but yeah, yeah. But then you also talk about that management problem of like how long have they been working on those fucking games? Yeah, you know, like, yeah, because like Mass Effect was clear, like they lost the plot at some point as far as like yeah. those tools, and yeah, they needed absolutely. somebody either come in and say, "Hey, we need to just scrap this and start over on a new engine because this right. game is not looking anything like anything else that's coming out right now." 
Well, and you think about it too, and a lot of that came down to right, like the the corporate mandate of you are going to use this engine that we have because we know it'll, we think it can save money. And the funny part is, is that what did it end up doing? It ended up costing them money. Yeah, you know. So, and that, and again, you're you're making those decisions because you're like, well, we got to make the stockholders happy, and instead of, you know, it's it's interesting when you make a product, anything like this, you know, there's definitely a time to strike, you know. Um, when, when the iron's hot, so to speak. But the other thing that's important too is that as we we look at a, an industry that seems to be focused more and more and more about like kind of like a race to the bottom with pricing and everything else like that. I think it's also really important if you're going to be in this industry that you do the things that you need to do so that you can produce a long tail product that's going to support your studio and everything else like that. And we're we're just seeing the opposite of that all the fucking time yeah. with with how these games are being made. Um, and, and I think, and the funny part is, is that, you know, this is, this almost feels 100% entirely a fucking triple A problem. Like you yeah. can have, you can have a scope problem. Like I'm sure if you guys read anything about how, um, Shovel Knight was made, you know, they were, they were really struggling with it, but look at, look at Shovel Knight now that they took the time instead of going, we're just going to release this because we have to. Yeah. You can see Everybody the difference between Shovel Knight and, uh, what was the, the Mega Band clone? Oh, Mighty Number no. Nine. Yeah, you can tell like, yeah, the absolutely. difference between how, how those two games came together. Absolutely, yeah. And and so and and that's even just a different story because it's like, all right, well, if you're dealing with Kickstarter and Patreon, how does that? How do you even make that work? And it's, I mean, look yeah. at what's happening with fucking uh, the Igarashi Castlevania. Why can't I think of the name of it? Ritual Blood of the Night Bloodstained. Yeah, look at look at how that is. Like well, that shit got started like what four years ago? Yeah. You know, but thankfully they seem to at least be doing the right thing and going, look, with this we we have one shot at this. You know. Where we've been, this is the kind of game that we've wanted to make for ages, and so we're going to fucking make sure that we do it as best as we can. Compare that to a Mighty Number no. Nine, which was like this game doesn't even really work right, but we got to put something, you know? Yeah. When you're so. when when your uh, justification for the, the game's release is well, it's better than nothing. Um, you know, you like no, no, it's not. Like ironically, like yeah, it's, it's the same way. Like if you if you're sitting there working on your car and you know. Your car needs six spark plugs, and you only got four. And you're like, you know what? It'll be okay. No, it won't. No, it won't. Do the fucking job right the first time, and then this won't be a fucking problem. So that means that you can't drive for a week until you get your, you know, you get some a buddy to give you a ride to the store to fucking get the shit you actually need. Then do it that way. Yeah. Like I just, I, that's something else that does seem really, really shitty about this industry now, especially with with consoles being online. Is is kind of this idea that like, well, we can release it busted, and we'll just fix it. And the thing is, is that. I think for a long time, video gamers really um, rewarded that mentality. And now I think because we have this glut of games that are really out, I think now people are walking away from that and going, you know, no, I'm not going to, I'm not going to give you money like that for this. Like I'm, you know, yeah, there has to be a, or a really interesting quality. idea that people can latch around. Yeah. Like it has to be something noteworthy in there. Yeah. And then, or you get to a type of situation where it's like, um, we're just going to do this this way, and we're going to produce the game, and, and hopefully we can fix it in six months, which was definitely what they were doing with Anthem. And that's it's just not that's not sustainable yeah. in the long run. It's just not like you cannot design that way. And I think I think because again, what we were talking about is is video gamers have typically rewarded this kind of thing, you know. And now I think we're finally getting to the point where gamers aren't, and they're just yeah. like we're not going to we're not going to do this. And I think we're hopefully we see that happen more in the industry, but I think we're going to have to see a, a real shakeup of a lot of things before um, yeah. gamers yeah. are that like cattle, you know, I know one of the yeah. stories that we have listed there. Um, I don't even know where it is on the, on the list. I don't know what we're jumping into next, but is um, 
Uh, well, here, let me let me skip this around. Did you just see that the Epic Mega Game Sale? Yeah, we the, might as well get into that. Cause... Yeah, yeah, and then we'll just, because we're talking about how people are treated. I think what's so interesting to me about the Epic Game Sale is, remember, these guys came out and said that one of the biggest things that they felt was a detriment, and which we agree on, is this sort of race to the, the bottom with pricing. And so I think that for a long time, Epic Store was really, and still is, not for a long time, it's, it absolutely is, is tailored towards developers like this is a great deal for developers but it's not a great deal for anyone else um but now all of a sudden this this doing you know across the board ten dollar cut to games that are 14.99 or above epic i think is at finally gone okay the people that the people that are going to buy this stuff are not cattle like we can't just assume that the audience is going to be there just because we want them to be you know, and, um, and and remember, Epic's the same group that said, "Yeah, we're not going to fucking discount anything because it's all about the developers and shit." Like, but if you're in this in this digital space, people just don't want to pay full price. Period. Yeah. They just don't. Well, with okay. good reason. Epic had yeah. major issues with this. Uh, for one thing, uh, there's there was no way for developers to opt out of the sale, so that's a problem. Yeah, I was like, yeah. that not not a good move there. And it didn't seem like they were notified ahead of time, like, hey, we're going to be doing this promotion. Yeah, this yeah. was something that feels like somebody somewhere just said, "Hey, what if we just did, uh, you know, a weekend sale?" And you know that. Yeah. So again, you're talking about giving control to the developers about this kind of thing and the publishers. And Epic quickly turned around and was like, yeah. "Psych." Yeah, you this know. is this sort of thing when I see people talking about sales on the consoles. Like, why didn't Sony put this on sale? Why didn't Microsoft put this on sale? I'm like, no, they don't have a decision. In this they have ideas for promotions mm-hmm. presented with developers, and like, hey, you want to put your stuff on sale? They go, yeah, or no. And it's like, that's how it should be. Instead of like Epic's doing here is like forcing everybody to have a sale. Right. That and is the thing out of is, though, I think what they're saying, I think what, the, what Epic's stance was is, well, we're the one taking the hit, which yeah. to me, that's also something that's really interesting because if they're taking the hit, what does that actually mean as yeah. far as, as what they're able to produce? Well, it does two things, really. Uh, on, for, for one thing, uh, you know, players get a discount on games that aren't out yet, so that's one thing. Good for good for players, uh, perception yeah. wise. Uh, but uh, it also kind of devalues the games themselves. Yeah, it's like, well, the game is on sale for it's it's got a ten dollar discount and it hasn't even come out yet. Uh, right, and know. then what you're going to yeah. do is you're going to condition people to go, well, this isn't even worth sixty at the jump. Yeah, yeah, <sighs> yeah. It's. It's good in terms of it gets people to try stuff they may not have wanted at the price that it was at. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but also it kind of comes at the expense of it makes your game look like it's not worth that much if it's you know eight bucks at uh, pre-order instead yeah. of eighteen. That sort of stuff, which saw developers sort of change the prices, try and get around it, or minimize the discount they would give, sort of stuff, uh, or they flat out pull their game. Yeah. Like, I think Randy Pitchford on his Twitter was like, hey, Borderlands 3 is $10 cheaper for right now. Oh, God, don't even bring up Randy Pitchford. Well, I think he was actually like, hey, this is cool. Go ahead. Yeah, he was. He he was like, this is is neat. You guys should be into this. I guess the the other people that were running the studio or 2K was like, yo, you got to cut this shit out. Let's get this off of there because we can't be taking 10 bucks off. And the fucked up part about that is, is that that's not a hit for them. No. It's epic no, as fucking paying the but price. They don't want people but they don't want people to think it's yeah. a fifty dollar game. Yep. And yeah. then it goes back up to sixty, you know, after the week or whatever this is available. Yeah. And be have people like being like, Well, I'm not gonna pay sixty bucks now because I missed out on that fifty. Yeah. And people actually Wait, and, actually they're, and they're and they're already fighting an uphill battle anyway with with it being like um 
well, fuck you. We don't even want to buy this fucking piece of shit because you guys are doing what you're doing with the Epic Store. So fuck off. Yeah. You know? So that's that's just another another battle for them to have. Yeah, yeah it's uh, it's a weird thing. But like we said, like there's there's a whole corporate interest in these games. Like Ubisoft pulled their games, mm-hmm. and some of the others did well, big publishers. I, I, I think the other part of that too is it's just a miscommunication in general. Like my understanding is the reason that Ubisoft pulled their shit was because the the integration with UPlay is broken on the Epic Store. Yeah. But that's but that's the problem. There's but so much of this back and forth. Well, no, no. It's apparently it's always been like that. But so there's all, and, and it has to do with the fact that apparently the way that Epic is hooking their API for people to work on the store is yeah. not consistent whatsoever. Which just goes back to the initial complaint that a lot of people had about the Epic Store is just that this is a shitty store. Like everything that this thing offers, and not just, and you had developers really jump on it because it was like, well, we can make more money. And yeah. the thing is, though, is if you're in a you're in a uh, a business that is based around what you give the end consumer, and if you're not providing a good place or a good way for the end consumer to get the stuff that they need, then you're really kind of fucking up. Yeah. Let's and, talk about the end consumer consequences here because yeah. there were some. Oh uh, yes, there were. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, like uh because the epic game store doesn't actually have a shopping cart implemented yet the only way to, for people to actually take advantage of the sale was to make purchases one after the other uh and uh, yeah the epic game store also has a fraud prevention uh method where uh if it sees too many transactions go by at once it locks the account do you see where this is going oh my god oh yes so uh yeah <sighs> and what's even more like irritating to me about this is this half baked store is that uh, I went over to the Unreal Marketplace, and you know what's in there? A shopping cart. (laughs) They have the code. You can't write comedy like this. No, it's just, and that, that's, this is just, this gets back to everything that we've been talking about, which is just that you guys jumped into this because you fucking saw, you, you you thought this was a Scrooge McDuck style thing going on here and it's just not and there's there's more to just being a storefront than selling things there's a yeah. base level that, that customers are expecting like not having a fuck see now i didn't know they didn't have a shopping cart because i'm not going to buy anything on yeah i think that's their store. whole thing is probably like we don't have that many on here we doubt this is going to be a big issue right and then what's then the first thing out. that you do is you put in a fucking sale where you want everybody to fucking jump in because I think the other thing that's really important about this sale is is that they wouldn't be doing this if they didn't need to fucking get people's eyes on this store. Remember, this is the same company that was like, hey, guys, we're doing this because we're pro developer and, and all these things. And this is just a better place for developers to put their stuff. And so if you know if, if the developers are better and they're getting more money, then people are going to come here because they want to support the developers, which goes back to this same sort of thing that we talked about in the past, this sort of weird Stockholm syndrome that gamers have about wanting to support things that are not remotely in their favor, you know, and just how – the fact that Epic themselves, it wasn't a, somebody else putting their shit on sale. It was Epic themselves going, we should do a sale, and then they don't even have the basic um, ability to let people purchase more than one thing at a time. is insane. That would be like going to a grocery store and them not having any carts. You know, like, yeah, and you have a shopping list. That, right, right. And you have a shopping list that's that's $300, you know, big. And then, but you're literally taking one item at a time up to the fucking checkout line. Like, how do you fuck this up? Like, this is a big, this is McDonald's running out of ketchup. You know, it's yeah. just stupid. Yeah, it's, it's very much a weird thing to have happen. 
don't even know where I was going to go with that, but yeah, it's it's just kind of weird. It feels like a system where they really should have come up with a different kind of promotion. Maybe something like you spend you know, X amount of money will give you 10 bucks in credit to spend on other stuff. Yeah. You know, stuff like that where it takes less burden on the, the, the publishers and developers. Uh, and, you know, it doesn't, you know, create this kind of chaos at least. Well, but uh, again, I, I wonder too if you would even have this kind of chaos if you had the basic things required to make a sale like this work. Yeah. You know what it's, I mean? It seems like probably their tech team probably did not have any say in any of this. <laughs> uh, for the, the Epic Store, whereas their people are just promotional, like, hey, let's make everything 10 bucks cheaper. Uh, especially not counting for the different regions where it's like, oh, it's 10 pounds cheaper and 10, you know, whatever. Well, it definitely, sounds, it definitely sounds like they also had a messaging issue with how they were going to do that because you, I think you also did see like a Supergiant um, pulled – uh, pulled their games from the store for a little bit because I think that they I think and I think a lot of developers probably thought that that the, that their games were being discounted and it was being taken out of their out of their end you know like there's yeah. how do you do something like this without messaging this to to the people that are selling your products on there like again there's just there's no way to excuse any of this behavior except you guys maybe you really need to take a step back and determine what you're doing in the first place. If your store had more, fe- more features then yeah. this stuff could be taken care of. And if you had, if your whole selling point wasn't, we're just going to give developers and publishers more money. It's, it's all about like, again, how are you going to do those kinds of messaging? You know, like this, I would, this is one of those things I wish we could get Thomas hat back on the show for and be like, tell us how your experience has been with, with, you know, dealing with steam and everybody else like that. And if this stuff happened on steam, wh- how would this even be communicated to you? Mm. You know, I'd love to see what it's like. Cause I think there's just some obviously things that we don't know, but just some basic failures, like straight up, like bottom line, these things should not happen. Failures that are happening here because you shouldn't have companies like pulling their stuff from this store. That's supposed to be better for them than steam. Unless there's a huge messaging problem. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. It definitely is. like I think the only developer I've seen that's actually kind of happy with the discount is Mike Bithel, who's uh, John Wick Hex game that's up for pre-orders. Like one of the highlights at like eight bucks, whatever it is, and oh. the discount. Mm-hmm. And he's like, "Hey, uh, for the time being, uh, I'm just trying to find this tweet. Yeah, it's like you can still pick up the John Wick Hex pre-order for under five pounds. Thanks to Epic Games for paying the remainder ten pounds for you. <laughs> As I said before, that's a ridiculous deal in a good way." Yeah, no, and that's the thing. Like, if, if this was messaging that people had ahead of time for stuff that was about to be launched, man, because you've got to think about it, right? Like, the jump in p- price for a lot of people would probably be like, fuck yeah, I'm totally jumping in on this. Mm-hmm. You know, like, oh, I was on the fence about getting this game and now I can. You know, but, and then there's, I think there's other people that are more like me where I'm like, I'm not giving these assholes money regardless. Like, I was actually, I started to look and I was like, the only game on that store that I'm really interested in is Pyre, or not Pyre, is um, Hades. Uh, Hades. Hades. Hades and I want to yeah. support. I want to support Supergiant. I've loved all of their stuff. I know some of us know Greg, you yep. know, but I just I can't, man. I'm just gonna wait. You guys put it on fucking Steam. I'll buy it there. You put it on consoles. I'll buy it there. Like I, like I own four copies of Bastion yeah. for Christ's sake. You know, I, I will support you, but I can't do it in this model, man. Yeah, the the thing they are also doing that kind of undermines the the sale as well as uh, they're doing an extra free game during the sale. Uh, there's a game that's uh, free for this week. Uh, let me get to the store real quick. Uh, it is 
Untold or Stories Untold, uh, the game that's from the people making Observation. Hmm. Uh, it's their previous game. It's like, hey, there's going to be a new game every week during the sale. I don't even know when this thing ends. Yeah, so it's either June, second week of June, I think. Okay. So. And like they mentioned, like, what if I'm using currency other than USD for like explaining that the the price uh, discount stuff? Hmm. It's like the minimum discounts for you know. Uh, the U.S. currency, the euros, I don't even know what some of these, there's pounds, there's rubies, Ooh. yen, all this stuff. And it's like, yeah, you're going to have to go through all this. So this this should have also been sent out to devs like the week before. Some of it was. Uh, it was like, hmm. yeah, like, make, well, so, like help these people's worries about it. You know what's tripping me out here is that I'm looking at, um, I'm looking at the store right now. Last week, Hades was fourteen ninety nine. Now it's 1990. Yeah, the, the act, there's an explanation for that. Okay, tell uh, me. That was uh, that was Supergiant actually raising their price. Okay. Uh, what happened? That was, sort of seems convenient, doesn't well, it? So the, the according to Greg, there's actually a statement over on. I, that, I want I want to give them credit because uh, I do I do I do think they're a good developer, but that is. Yeah. Man, they just that's just bad piece. timing. So what happened it's, here was um, they actually knew about the uh, Epic paying $10 uh, part. Okay. Uh, but because their game was just underneath the threshold, it was, it didn't apply. So they make it $15. Yeah, they could have made it 15 uh, Right? But, uh, I mean, am I, am I out of line in thinking that? Yeah, but they were also looking at the uh, Dirt Rally type of model where the further along the game goes in development... Yeah. Uh, the the more uh, in line with retail price, the price actually goes. So yeah. well, yeah, but what, do we know what they're what they're aiming for as far as the actual price for Hades? Well, if it's uh, anything like any of their other games, it's probably going to be about thirty bucks. Wait a minute, Bastion was ten. Transistor, yeah, was I think, 20. was. Are you sure? Yeah, Bastion was twenty. Transistor it was. was they uh, always go on sale, but they're they always. I think Bastion's point. fifteen. Now, yeah, yeah. I, I don't think it was. Tw- well, I don't know. Yeah. What did, what was Transistor? Yeah, Bastion's fifteen on Steam right now. Hmm. What was fifteen Transistor? on PS4? Transistor, Transistor was twenty. Twenty. Okay. I think Pyre was twenty. Hmm. I just actually I just recently bought that too because it was on sale for six ninety nine. I'm down to try NBA Jam with. Yeah, it's twenty bucks Pyre. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, yeah. Anyway, we could keep shitting on Epic for a while, but yeah. we have other stuff to get to. Yeah, you know, I just, I just, God, like the two things I immediately saw and was like. Maybe I'll get these as uh, John Wick Hex in Hades. And I was like, but those two are still when you come into consoles. And I'd rather, I'd, rather I'd be more likely to keep playing them there. Right. So. And that, like, satisfactory. Hmm. That'd yeah. also be interesting to play. But Yeah, yeah like, also, they give, they're giving away games for free, and I still don't want to fucking do it. Yeah. Like, a buddy of mine, my buddy Jason, who listens to the show, he really wants me to play Subnautica. And he was like, it's free on Epic. So I got it because it was free. And I'm just like, I don't. Fuck! Like I don't want to. I'd rather pay the you know the developer money if this is a game that I want to play, and rather fucking play it on Steam. Like, and it's just a lot of it just comes down to I've been a, I've had Steam you know since I've had a fucking PC. It seems like you know there, there's just a lot of that shit, and I just I just don't want to fucking yeah. support Epic. I know I I, I like the Unreal Engine and shit. Something I know like it. Is. I know yeah. it is, but then it's also like thirty bucks, and I don't want to pay thirty bucks for a game I'm probably not even gonna fucking play. Oh, I see. So it's just a, it's just a thing, and that's yeah. just they also put out a big. Expansion or a new game, yeah. Like follow up to it. Anyway, I didn't mean to derail it. I yeah. just, I just can't. I like all the stuff you guys have heard me talk about. Like, 
putting my money where my mouth is. I genuinely believe that shit. Like I was what? at GameStop the other day and like I really would like to play the new Mortal Kombat, but I just I cannot knowing what they've done to people, man, I just can't fucking give them money. <laughs> and so maybe the alternative is like we'll buy fucking used and then they won't get any. But then I also really disagree with the fucking entire monetary model that they have shoved in there. And it's just like <laughs> I don't know. It's it's something I also need to figure out for myself. Like at what at what point is this kind of thing going to be okay or not? And you know what what does that look like for me? You know. So that's something else I got to figure out on my own. I'm sure at some point when it finally drops to ten bucks and they do like a game of the year edition, I'll buy it. But I'll still try and find a way to get it used. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think they're also so, communicating that discount weird too because it was like the base price on the store mm-hmm. versus it being like when you check out. Yeah. So it's looking like everything was on sale for that price, which it technically was, but it's making everything look like it was way cheaper by default than what it should be. Yeah. And let's just, and the last thing I'll say about this, if we're talking about a messaging issue, like motherfuckers put Steam sales on their calendars. You know, like they're like, I can't wait till summer. You know, whereas like it seems like this epic just came out and was like, hey guys, what are you doing Friday? You know, <laughs> like what the fuck? Yeah, it kind of blindsided everybody. So. All right, let's move on. We we've shit on Epic for long enough, I think. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, let's talk about some happier stuff. Uh, we got ten more games confirmed for the Genesis Mini. Dude, I got yes. I got so much more hyped about that than I should have, and and I I think I wonder if part of it is because like I I owned a Genesis before I owned a Super Nintendo, mm-hmm. um, but my Super Nintendo is definitely my favorite, my probably my favorite console of all time to be honest, but. Um, but like looking at the Genesis stuff, like man, what a great fucking list! Like like I, it felt like with the, the SNES Classic, um, and that's what it's called, Phil, an SNES um, or Super Nintendo. Um, it, it felt like with that, there were like there was just definitely going to be some things that were missing. But like looking at this list about the 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 Mega Drive slash Genesis one is like, man, that's just a solid fucking list. Yeah, so far it's like, so good. And going to 40 we... games allows them to be very comprehensive. Right, exactly. And I'm just like I'm really just impressed with that like going going to have to that that level in terms of the amount of games as well just really feels like it's one of those things that made me really respect Sega, you know, in the past as well as like I, they've always felt like they were much more at least to me um, seem to be a lot more in tune with kind of like what their their clientele wanted. Now, if they mm-hmm. delivered, that was another thing. But Sega always struck me as a, as a as a company that was like, we need to make this kind of stuff because this is what the fans want to see. And this this totally feels like that kind of move mm-hmm. of like, here we go, here's forty games. We're even we're 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 packing in some deep cuts here, you know. Well, let's go through these ten, these latest ten. Uh, okay, so Alex Kidd in the Enchanted Castle. This one would have been the one that I would have actually left off. Yeah, that's the throwaway if there is yeah, one. Yeah, I don't think I like that series at all. From yeah. Man, I just I just sat here and talked about how great they are. And you're like, so listen, guys, the first game's fucking ass. <laughs> well, it <laughs> it's is. fucking terrible. This is the game that has the, the rock, paper, scissors thing. To yes. be fair, they were good. Kill you. Yeah. yeah. But, okay, well, if you're going to include an, if you're going to include something that's representative of the genesis of, of that era... It's well, got to be Alex Kidd yeah. at some yeah. point. Yeah. yeah. Uh, then we have uh, Beyond Oasis. That should Which, be on every single Genesis yeah, yeah. collection ever Agreed. because it's amazing. Agreed. Uh, then we have, uh, let's see, Ghouls and Ghosts. So Capcom getting some representation. Yeah, if you hate yourself, that's a good game. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, if you hate yourself. Because uh, yes. you have to beat it twice to get the, the proper ending. Yep. That's nice. Uh, the original Golden Axe, because it's a Sega console and you got to have that. Yeah, Is that the only version? 
the only gold next game on there so far yeah. okay uh, and uh, then we get into uh, what I think this is interesting to me that they uh, brought this one into the mix now uh, because it makes me wonder what they're holding uh, Mega Man the Wily Wars right oh wow yeah that talk that's talking about a, a great deep cut, guys mm. yeah and uh, then you look at what they because I know they also have the um, Castlevania Bloodlines is in there yeah Contra Hardcore is uh, on there Contra Hardcore is in like I mean like again you're talking about like some some deep cuts, like just I wasn't expecting, you know. And this is, I don't, I don't know. Just thinking back to the SNES, like you guys didn't have Chrono Trigger. Like how do you not have what I think is probably arguably the fucking best game ever made? But we yeah, had. They were probably thinking like, hey, sure we Square Enix have... wasn't on board. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, I'm sure they were like, we could, we'll give you one RPG. Yeah, just well, one I'm sure like Nintendo the... would have loved it, but Square Enix not so much. <laughs> yeah, like we got to sell a broken. PC version pretty soon. You guys yeah. can't have. Yeah, you guys can't do this. What the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> and I think like this, this Genesis collection seems like the publishers are more on board than they have been for some of these other mini consoles. Well, like, and I wonder too. That's was also by that sort of stuff too. I also wonder if it's like a proof of concept thing where they're just like these things are obvious, with the exception of the PlayStation have done well. Like there's a nostalgia here for these kinds of games from this era. You know, you guys should really yeah. cash in on that shit. You know, yeah, we should probably mention it. The reason that the Mega Man: The Wily Wars is interesting because it was only available on Sega Channel here. Yeah. So this is a game that never had a physical release. Nope. Yeah. Well, not here. It did in uh, yeah. Europe, it, Japan, in Japan. Yeah. Here. Yeah. So uh, we got that. Uh, Fantasy Star Four. Uh, if you're going to play the Fantasy Stars, that's the one yep. to do. Yep. Sonic Spinball. That another... game still fucking holds up. Yeah. <laughs> what four or Spinball? Four. Four. Yeah. Oh yeah, it absolutely does. I wonder, too, and then I'm just looking at the hacking potential of this thing because, like, I think when you start really getting the ROM hacks and stuff, like, I think I think to play, like, Fantasy Star 2, you absolutely need some of the ROM hacks that are out there. Mm-hmm. Um, so just, uh, God, just the whole idea of what you could do on this thing is really exciting to me. At the same time, I think they're putting together such a complete list of games that uh, people aren't necessarily going to feel the need to, to hack it. Yeah, I'm, I'm only talking about it strictly, like, if I'm going to hack it, it's going to be to yeah. load to load, like I said, like ROM hacks on it as opposed to, you know, like, cause like the fantasy Absolutely. star two, the fantasy star two ROM hacks are fantastic. Um, oh yeah. yeah. But it's so, like, that's the kind of stuff that I'm thinking about. But yeah, as far as like hacking it to add more shit, I don't, I mean, it, yeah, I mean, obviously yeah, there's going to be anything that you're missing. You know, there's, there's going to be something that somebody wants, but that's a, it's a damn solid list. Doesn't that PC collection have essentially people going to upload like ROM hacks? Yeah. Yeah. To, which yeah. people have obviously abused to put other games in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, but I think well. it, it, it just shows again. I think how how I think Sega, in a certain way, understands the appeal of their back catalog in a way that I wish Nintendo did. Yes, yes. <laughs> you know, yeah, because like, they throw in like huge amounts of collections. Whereas, uh, what was it, the Super Mario World collection they had for the Wii, where it's like, hey, this is a thirty dollars release for this one Super yeah. Nintendo game. Yeah, yeah. Like, it was fuck? an actual Wii disc that had a yeah. Super NES ROM on it and nothing else. <laughs> yep. Yeah. It's like, what the fuck? You could have, like, they did a great one with the Kirby collection where it had a bunch of those games on there and a bunch of extra stuff. But they didn't do that for Mario. It's like, you could have included all the NES games, you know, the original two. Right. Uh, include Yoshi's Island, World. 
Well, and I wonder. I wonder if part of it is because Sony doesn't have to worry about pushing hardware, so they're not going. Well, we need to hold this back because we want to have something to sell in a system that we have. Mm-hmm. You know, like like when you look at their behavior towards their. I think. Well, I think again. I think they understand the kind of back catalog that they have in a way that Nintendo doesn't. I think that's yeah. a baseline thing. But I also wonder too if they're willing to put everything in there and the kitchen sink because they're not having to worry about. Well, we need to. You know, we're going to sell this once on this piece of hardware with it with a um, well, i think they're also thinking like well we've sold you most of these games before in a collection we need yeah. to have something new here to make it you know a little bit more exciting so like when you keep releasing stuff on oh here's a dvd with uh the bunch of the you know bonus features now we're on blu-ray here's some extra stuff now we're on yeah. 4k blu-ray here's you know even more so like yeah, you gotta add agree. a little bit more in there yeah, I mean, more today than I did two weeks ago. I mean, like when they first announced this whole thing, I was like, "Oh, these are games that they've sold over and over in multiple packs." Yeah. Now that they have more unique things, I'm like, "Okay, this, this justifies it even more." Yeah, I think there's also a, a certain element of make good um, to this yeah. whole thing because uh, they have done officially licensed stuff with the Genesis before uh, by with At Games producing and, it, and they were yeah, that's hot the garbage. problem. Um, so I, I think uh, when this was initially announced, that's what people were thinking this was going to be, uh, and uh, they let people know about it. They let Sega know, like, no, we we don't want at games anywhere near this. They suck. <laughs> yeah, and uh, so they got kicked to the curb, and now we have uh, the software being done by M2, and that's why yeah. a lot of people are very yeah. excited about it. So yeah, yeah, which I think when this thing was announced, the the Genesis Mini thing, mm-hmm. I I saw quotes from them talking about at games having innovative hardware. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah. I thought it was supposed to be M2. I was like, no. I was getting confused about this. Yeah, yeah you guys misspelled fun. M2, by the yeah. way. Like, just so, you know, make yeah. sure we're on the same fucking page here. Yeah. Yeah. Alright, so then we have uh, Sonic Spinball. Nothing much to say there. It's Nice sound effects. Yeah, it's a fun game. <laughs> it's like, hey, you like Sonic when he turns into a ball? Yeah. yeah. We do too. We, we don't know how to make a game around that, but... Yeah. This is like a this is like the a commentary on the state of pinball on consoles at that point. Yeah. There aren't really good pinball games on consoles like there are now. I just all this stuff. The funny part for me is as much as I love seeing this 16 bit stuff, and I know we're gonna get into the t- the rest of the titles, Phil. But God, does anybody really want like a solid like deep cut Dreamcast collection? Like, give me Skies of Arcadia, like that kind yes. of shit. Oh yes, I do. Give me a working yeah. PSL. Like we need yeah, that they got, shit, man. Because they went what four games in yeah. on last gen, and it's like all first okay. party. Okay, you got Crazy Taxi, cool. You got Sonic Adventure, and Sonic Adventure Two is like, I guess you had to do that. Yeah. Uh, then there's Space like Channel Sega 5. Bass Fishing, and it's like, uh, okay. Yeah. Uh, all right. Where's uh, where's the rest of it? Yeah. Yeah. Where's all Crazy right. Taxi Two? Uh, Did they ever confirm that you can use the uh, those new six button controllers on these? I think they. I was just about to get to that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Specifically, part with uh, Retro Bit, I think it was. Yeah. Yeah. So the I new, got the email uh, about that. The new six button Genesis pads, uh, the USB variant, uh, are going to work on uh, on this straight out of the box, which is good because the next game is Street Fighter Two Special Champion Edition, and you're going to need them. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> 
Let's go. Yeah, because nobody likes hit and start to switch between kicks and punches. Exactly. Unless you're a masochist. Back in middle school, though, I had a friend who was actually able to do that effectively. Yeah. And I couldn't believe it. Yeah, I knew some people, too. It was a little nuts. Yeah. Well, it says here they're going to be out in late August for 20 bucks. those controllers. Uh, yeah. Um, this is in their announcements. Which I don't know if it's weird because Castlevania Games is selling them now. If you're looking to stock up, I know that might be a good place to get them. Yeah, <laughs> I'll post the link in the chat. Let me know if these are the same ones that you're thinking of. Yeah, this is what's from the press release. Uh, but yeah, next, next up we got Vector Man. Um, naturally, naturally, sure. Yeah, I'm sure that game looked good at the time. Yeah, it did. It, did. it, did. it, did. Yeah. it was an interesting thing to see them come up with at the time when you were dealing with Donkey Kong Country. Yeah, yeah it was, and, it was sort of Genesis equivalent thereof. Yeah, yeah, and Sega being like, "Well, we got to do something. Let's make a guy out of balls." <laughs> well, I mean, they you, already you did also, that. It was you got to remember this is yeah. Sega of the same time. Like Sega was all about some balls, you know. So yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm not not That's balls with by a Z. It. Yeah. Well, you know what? I, do any of these collections have Booger Man? Like that's what we need to know. No, no. that's this one has Earthworm Jim. So close enough. Yeah. Well, fuck that guy. Fuck that Got guy. one of the two guest characters that showed up hmm. on Clay Fighter Three. So, <laughs> uh, and the last of the games is uh, Wonder Boy and Monster World, which yes, Genesis Four? is great. So wait, I forgot. Nobody knows the actual numbers. Yeah, this one this series be, is it's Wonder Boy and Monster World. That's all you need to know. Yeah, yeah. technically four, but whatever. I see, but, I get, if I get this, this is going to be the first time I get to play a lot of these games. Yeah. Because, oh my god, yeah. it'd be yeah. I never had a I never had a Sega console up until the Dreamcast. Mm. So yeah, oh, you're yeah see, I was I was an loyalist throughout my childhood, at least up yeah. until the place. So. Um, you know, like I did not get to play. Brandon, were you one of those people that were like, "Square, why you do this? Why you do well, this?" No, no. <laughs> See, what, what happened was that I got the uh, Nintendo sixty four for Christmas one year. Yeah. Um, and the thing was, this was like back when the Nintendo sixty four was still kind of in its early stages, so there weren't a whole lot of games. And my parents noticed that, and they decided. You know what? Uh, he's been doing good on his tests and stuff lately. Let's get him a PlayStation. So uh, I ended up getting a PlayStation. And you haven't looked back since. Yeah. Mm. Also, I wasn't really into RPGs until Super Mario RPG Legend of the Seven Stars came about. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So this is 30 of 40. Um, that's. Yeah, they're, so they're going to announce the rest next month. So I assume at E3. E3. Yeah. And then uh, I suspect they're not done. Uh, I you think they're going to break 40? Yeah, I, I, I have this sneaking suspicion that they're going to go 50 of 40. Really? Uh, I don't know I don't know what You don't makes think they're going to do this. a Super Nintendo collection? We're like, and there's a special bonus, Sonic the Hedgehog 3. Uh, I, well, out, uh, I would be pretty surprised if that one didn't actually make it on there to begin with. Uh, so, what do you, so what do you think will get added? Uh, I think they probably go for some of the really, like, obscure Japanese stuff. Well, they uh, did just clear up the Herzog's Y situation. Yeah, they, they they have that, so they would definitely need to put that on there. Which is already coming out on the Sega Ages line. Yeah, then oh, there's, yeah. Uh, let's see, uh, Musha, which uh, is already confirmed for the Japanese version, so it would be nice if that made it to the U.S. as well. You know, so that's a fantastic shooter. Ooh, you also. think we're looking at a another set of 
official after the fact localizations like we got with Virtual Console? Uh, possibly, yeah. Because um, that was where we got our um, our English language version of Golden Axe Three. Yeah, oh. I mean, they, they, it was especially. Yeah, I mean, don't forget these are, as I keep saying, uh, being done by M two, and we mm-hmm. know that M two are crazy people. Uh, uh-huh. I love their true. version of Fantasy Star One. Yeah. So, anyways, uh, I'm excited for this. Uh, it's probably one of the the most. Uh, anticipated micro console releases for me um, ever. Easily. Um, it's just, I, I was as always a Genesis guy well, back when I was growing up, so I have it's a come a long way. Yeah. I did not get to play the Sonic games to completion until the Sonic Mega Collection came out on 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 uh, GameCube. Yeah. What the hell, yeah. man? <laughs> <laughs> That's what he had. Uh, what I had, what I've played of the Sonic games, like, you can play the first world and one and you're good for the rest of the game. It's not once it gets to the altered beast zone. I don't really care about that game anymore. Eyes yeah. um, from your grave. Yeah, yeah like that's. I was like, wait, did they just rip this out of altered beast, or did altered beast just rip this out of there? I don't know where <laughs> the order it was, but and then it's all just platforming. There's no really running in that that yeah. world. Yeah, and it's like, did you guys forget what game you were making, <laughs> or did you somehow come back and like, wait, we need running. We're gonna make that the first world. Yeah, because we didn't do anything with that in the rest of the game. <laughs> it may be worse than what I remember, but if they bring back Road Rash too, I'm, I'm definitely it. Yeah, we dude, I want Skitchin. Any y'all play that? Fuck yeah! Mm-hmm. <laughs> with like that I would off Pantera soundtrack. <laughs> Fuck yeah, man! Mm. Yeah, I think I need Joe Montana sports talk football. Yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. We get some the Tommy Larosa sports talk baseball. That's actually one thing that's worth noting. There is a very uh, there's a kind of an absence of sports games on this collection. Yeah, that's yeah. one thing we're thinking that was largely about. It was one of the things EA that the Genesis hung its hat on. Mm. Well, remember EA. EA in a lot of ways sort of extorted their way into Sega's model, where they were just like, "Look, we're gonna." They reverse engineered um, yeah, Sega security doing, uh, chip. The Atari and they were thing. like, "Yeah," and they were like, "Look, you need to work out something with us to get our cartridges cheaper, um, or we're just gonna flood your your system with unlicensed shit." And that's when Sony, or excuse me, when Sega started to step away from their um, from their um, their sports games and really kind of EA took over in that sense, and that was because EA tried to strong-arm Wouldn't licensing also be part of the main reason why none of these show up? Oh, I'm sure for some of the sports yeah. games, it's got to be a Yeah, but though. EA also has the, the NFL license currently. Mm. The NFL PA with it comes some retro uh, yeah. player licensing to that, so they could work on it, or just come up with a generic Something system. really special that they could do for that would be to put um, NHL 94. No, I was going to say Madden Champion. Yeah, that needs edition. to be there. Yeah, so. they've the essentially read a long Yeah, yeah. That would be that would be a very nice addition. Yeah. yeah. So there's ten more games to be announced. If they could get Maybe. NBA Live in there, the weird isometric NBA Live, that would be. No, I'd uh, like. Hilarious. If they were going to do that, I wanted them to do the Dream Team one, mm-hmm. where you could. That was my shit. I think it was was it ninety six. Mm-hmm. I think. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I want to see that. I want to see um, what about what about speaking of EA? What about all those? Remember those? Was it like Desert Strike or some yeah, shit? All those games. Yeah. Is, are, yeah. Is there any of those on there? No. And right now, EA is uh, conspicuous. EA is on a milk carton. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. And they've released those on the that a PSP collection of those sort of games. Yeah. So they could very well do that. 
Yeah. It's uh, so it's yeah. yeah. Hopefully, EA the thing that undermines this whole collection for me is just I have the the recent Genesis collection. Yeah, me too. And that does VR. Yeah. It's like I can just yeah. sit in the room and just play games on there, and that's most of everything I'm interested in. Mm. I'm not that much of a Genesis fan. <laughs> but, yeah. I just check in on their collections like every ten years, and like I'm good with this. Mm. Mm. All right. All right, so that's that. Well, b- bottom line, props to them. Yeah, and they're, yeah. they're handling this correctly. So, and, God, uh, what a thing to say about about Sega! You handle this correctly. Something that we haven't heard since the Dreamcast. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or so, really, really since like the 32x. Hmm. And the, you didn't handle that correctly. On the, oh, how about the Saturn? Nope, didn't handle that correctly either. Sega Seat, Nope, that was wrong too. Dreamcast, <laughs> you were there for the first year. So, yeah, handling it correctly in Sega don't really fucking match up. <laughs> well, Sega, handling it correctly in Sega of America, <laughs> especially. Oh, boy, did that company ever go down the toilet uh, very quickly. No no, uh, no, love, no love for my man Bernie Stolar. Come on, guys. Oh, none. Uh, RPG, so, yeah. but did, didn't he say, like, RPGs are for babies or some shit? Well, he's, yeah, he, he had a mandate for the Saturn in the mm-hmm. U.S. that uh, there would be no 2D games and there would be no JRPGs. Mm-hmm. The Their two whole things system the was Saturn is based on. Yeah. Like, they had to add extra hardware and they realized Sony was doing decent mm-hmm. 3D. That's when they ended oh. up those two 32-bit RISC chips and they were like, we can figure out how to make this work together. And, and fucking third parties were like, huh? They just released it the day they announced it. It's yeah. like, well... And Whatever, like, we're doing this. What the? Like, that was one of the craziest things ever to live through. When it was like, wait a minute, it's on store shelves? What? Yeah. It's $400? And then Sony was like, well, Shotgun launch at E395? Yeah, we got this, fellas. Hmm. All right. And so that's, that's that might still be one of the biggest E3 cock-ups ever. Yeah. That just signaled their doom. Oh. Yeah. Because no matter how good the Dreamcast was, it had to be the best-selling console ever to yeah. even help them get out of the red. Yeah. Yep. It wasn't even just that. The other thing that was really bad about the Dreamcast, not the system, but what they were up against was Sony was the biggest swinging dick that had been in the video game industry since Nintendo came in and raffle stumped everybody in the 8-bit era. Uh-huh. Like, I mean, I remember people that were totally into games and loved Sega and they were like, yeah, I want to buy a Dreamcast, but in six months the PS2 will come out. And, like, I mean, the biggest thing that Sega had to really deal with was, frankly, was their own reputation because they had abandoned the 32X, they abandoned the Sega CD, they abandoned the Saturn. And and then, again, you know, they, they started out really strong with the Dreamcast, and then the second year they didn't produce anything that would have really brought the rest of their fans in. And so you're dealing yeah. with that shit on top of um, the specter of the PS2, mm-hmm. which yeah. just insane, and especially because the PS2 launched – the games weren't even that fucking good compared to the Dreamcast. It was it was well, night day. Dreamcast. Yeah, was, the very was, existence of the PS2 had such a wake to it that yeah, so many so much of the industry got caught up in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is really yeah. ironic because if if I think if it had been anybody else, I think that that they would have survived and they would have ended up probably yeah. thriving. But because well, Sony's Sega, the only company that came out of that generation before, well, yeah, because Nintendo and, was on the ropes. Yep, uh, Sega was on the ropes. And the, the and the thing was is they're just Sony's like just the mere idea of the PlayStation Two just beat the shit out of Sega because Sega had basically failed to support three systems that they had had their loyal base buy into, yeah. um, and I know a lot of people you know will say retrospectively will be like well it was the fucking piracy no it wasn't it was 
It was, was Sega's Sega. bad decisions yeah. for ten years. Yeah. You know, and you you just like how we've talked about so many different times on this show, like you damage somebody's goodwill so much, like eventually they're not gonna show up when you do something again. And that, yeah. that is Sega written all over it. And it's a shame yeah. because I miss having someone like them that was willing to kind of, you know, smack Nintendo around or whoever the big you know, the big person was at the time. Like I feel like we we definitely sort of need that. Um but I, I don't think we'll ever have a company that'll that'll act in the way that Sega did, because um, I just don't think the industry can even support something like that now. But well, be as experimental as Sega was right. yeah. back in the day. Because part of part of the big appeal to me about Sega, birch, you know, vintage Sega, was the fact that they were willing to experiment. They were afraid to try shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and that's something else. It's especially nowadays when you look at. So much of like I, I think Nintendo's done a lot of good things this generation, but I think the 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 thing that kind of f- not freaks me out, but sort of stands out to me the most about what they're doing is is Nintendo has played it so safe, and I get why yeah. they're doing it. You know, I get why they're being safe about things because you know the Wii U was was a horrible financial problem for them, um, and even with the production of the 3DS, with them eventually turning away from the very thing that the system was supposed to be known for, like you know you're you're it kind of puts you in a weird way, but um, just you know, just doing anything even halfway different would be just something that I would love to see Nintendo do. But they're just, I just yeah. don't think we're ever going to see that, and that's where yeah. some of a company like Sega is so important. And I wish that they were kind of still around, you know, kind of doing things. And yeah, like this is the thing where Sega is kind of interesting at is being able to put their collections out. But when it comes to like just making games. It seems like a 50-50 shot that it's going to actually be any good or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that seems to be kind of why they're like kind of consolidating again because their last couple games haven't all haven't all, you know, been bangers. <laughs> like with yeah. uh, Valkyria Chronicles and all that. That did well enough, but not like anything to give them, you know, confidence to keep going. <laughs> and like with Nintendo, like this gen, I would say their biggest issue has been their digital games, their you know eShop exclusives, because they haven't put out many of them. Hmm. Whereas like on 3DS, they just tried a lot of weird, weird stuff. You know the Box Boy uh, games. There was uh, the I forget what they're called, the puzzle games. There's like there's a bunch of crazy stuff on there that they tried because uh, they were just like, hey, we got this team that does all the handheld games, and they we're just gonna let them do some cool stuff. Right. There. And I think it's a shame, too, because I think particularly the Switch, if we're looking at it in any sort of way, is, is another, for lack of a better term, another iteration of the 3DS in that it's a, it's a system that can run big things. Like we know that. We can see, we've all seen Breath of the Wild. But at the same time, it is, it is a, a, a mobile piece of hardware. You know, So you can put tiny little games on it and have it be okay and really just kind of do experimental weird shit. Yeah. And they're just not really doing that, which is, is a shame. I, I, that's one of the things that as I'm getting older, too, I'm starting to really miss. Like, I have a much – and that's I think it's one of the reasons with the Vita stuff I've been having kind of such a good time is really, like, poking out and, and playing with games that I didn't really give their due at the time. But it's just like you wouldn't have seen this on another console simply because it would have cost too much money to do or whatever. You know, and, like, I, I'm, I'm getting a much uh, – much better appreciation. I've always liked them, but um, some of the stuff that Atlas has put out on the Vita is just weird. But it's yeah. cool too. It's cool. It's cool that there's even stuff like this. These are different things that they're that they're even trying. You know, and I just I think unfortunately, I think too, especially with the way the indie market, I think to a certain extent is stagnated. I mean, like everything's a Metroidvania now. You know, um, I feel like we're sort of losing 
some of the uniqueness about that that middle part of the industry that companies like Sega would put out or Nintendo would have smaller teams put out, and then you know yeah. we kind of expected indie teams to fill that gap, and we're not really seeing that anymore because what you know even it seems like even when you're making something that's like an eight bit homage, that's going to take you four fucking years and a shit ton of money, you know. So there's just less room, I think, to a certain extent, to be experimental. Um, I think that's a shame. I hope I hope with the next generation and we see that change a little bit. Like we've seen Sony really kind of retreat from indies being really important, which I think sucks. Um, and I hope that's one of those things that Microsoft also really starts to embrace. Like you have the hardware now to to make almost anything that you want. But I think one of the things that's the most interesting about these smaller games is, and what we looked at historically was they really, a lot of these, these things used the limitations of the platform that they were on to make something really unique. And I just, I feel like we're, and I think there's an identity to be, to be, uh, pulled from that like when you look at a perfect example is what is it, the world ends with you it's really different on switch than it is on the 3ds and i think you lose that uniqueness because of the hardware and just kind of the time yeah. in which it was made that's also because they pull it from the the phone version yeah of yeah that. all like this that's really comes down to is the mobile things. ports suck i can fuck you square you yeah. can't even get fonts right you pricks anyway sorry yeah all right, so we got two more stories left, and we'll uh, wrap up for the week. Uh, we have uh, we had a Nintendo Direct, which pretty much focused on Super Mario Maker Two, uh, and uh, yeah, that's looking like a real winner for the Switch. Uh, yeah, they they are going to make all of the money because yeah. of this. Uh, you're going to start seeing this shit again on YouTube. I can hear Ross O'Donovan's evil laughter off in the distance and Aaron oh, my, Hansen my son, crying in a corner. <laughs> yeah, my son's going to lose his shit over this. I just hope that they... I didn't watch the Direct, because I know my kid's going to want it anyway, so we'll definitely end up buying it. I think the one thing that I'm more curious about, and you guys tell me if, if this is the way that it is, but I know the original Mario Maker had a huge problem with things getting delisted, or delisted. Like, yeah. and, and, you, and things not being searchable, and all kinds of weird shit. Like, I hope that they solve that problem with this, because Mario Maker does it dies tag, they do have off tag of features this kind of shit. Like that. okay. I don't know if they're going to have a site, like they did for the first game. Yeah, I think they're, it would be nice if they had if they brought in the old levels from the first game well, into this, yeah. so that people could remix them or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, they're seems like they're doing a bit more. Those are going to be a campaign this time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's yeah. interesting. Mm-hmm. As a means of like showing you new things you can do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, didn't the other one kind of do, maybe not a campaign, but did something similar where it introduced you to everything? Like nothing. Yeah, not they had a set of levels at the same time. But you also had to like play the game for a set amount of days to unlock all the different tools yeah. and things Uh-oh. in it, okay. which I hope they don't do for this, but I wouldn't be surprised if they do. You know they're going to, because Nintendo wants to make sure, like, Which if you ended up with these people tools, just, we want you to understand them. Yeah, changing their clock, their system clocked. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So they had it, and then saved it, and then went back. And so they had it all unlocked. Yeah. Like the, the weird thing on this is that they're going to have, uh, yeah, they're sharing stuff, and it's all locked behind Nintendo Switch Online. Yep. So you can't do the main thing the game has without paying the extra... Uh, they're gonna have a seventy dollars version of the game that includes a year's worth of uh, Switch Online, so you can really? pay the extra ten bucks for the ability sneaky. to use the game to the full extent. Yeah, mm-hmm. sneaky, sneaky. Yeah. I mean, on uh, one hand, I don't. Well, because what the game is supposed to be sixty bucks anyway, so I guess you're technically you're paying you're seventy bucks. For it. You're getting t- you're getting ten bucks off for the Nintendo Online, right? Yeah. You know, um, but also if you're one of those people that didn't want to support that. You still have the option of buying the basic version. So. Yeah. Yeah. But then you're just 
making stuff for yourself mm-hmm. and the people locally with you. Yeah, I would, I, it does seem. I don't know. I, like, I, I definitely, I'm, I'm hearing where you're, you're at, Chris. But like, we're also, I don't know. I, I, this does feel like one of those things where the base, the basics behind it is like create things and share them. So yeah. putting an online barrier in front of it kind of sucks. But like, that's also unfortunately kind of where we are in yeah. general. Like, I still wish that it wasn't that way. Like, maybe, I don't know, even adjusting it somewhat, like, you can download levels, but maybe you can't share them unless you had it. Because they have online multiplayer, and I'd be totally fine if that was the thing that was behind that. But it's the entire online. uh, The the entire thing that makes it unique. Yeah. Because otherwise, you're basically playing, like, a sequel to the 3DS game. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Where you couldn't upload anything. Yeah, that was some straight bullshit. (laughs) But. Yeah, that's the weird thing. But they're also uh, are releasing a new thing called uh, vouchers. Essentially, you pay them a hundred bucks, yeah, you get two that. vouchers for any two of their games, which includes fifty dollars games hmm. for the thing where you're essentially paying fifty bucks a game. Hmm. Where it's like, I hope you're not the weirdo that pays a hundred bucks for two fifty dollars games instead of to get ten bucks off of two different sixty dollar games. Yeah. One two switch and uh, Donkey Kong. Yeah. Yeah. It's like well, nobody should pay anything for one two switch. So. <laughs> yeah, no, that, I mean I, I I think it's kinda neat they're doing this though, because we were talking about the digital thing. Like I could totally see like if you were just jumping in, because one of the things that's interesting to me about the Switch is that because again I play it portably, it feels like that's definitely a system that you should be really fucking with digital only. Hmm. But then again I also come down to the point like I don't trust Nintendo with any of that shit. But, like, I just know, like, having, like, Breath of the Wild and other stuff, like, just loaded as opposed to let me go find the fucking cartridge mm-hmm. because yeah. my Switch moves around my house. That kind of shit would be super convenient. But, again, you know, it's just, like, Nintendo and, and I don't know. I'm sure they're willing to sell you a little booklet to put all your cards in, your tiny cards that oh, yeah, lose easily. See, yeah. that's the other thing for, like, it's interesting to me. Like, I never, I always get card cases for, um, I got the 18 card card cases that they did for the 3DS. So like yeah. I keep most of my games in that shit, and I have a little one for the Switch too. But with the Switch, it's like since I can put a 400 gig memory card in this, do I really even want to fucking haul around cartridges? Oh, and man. it's like, no, I really don't. But you know, I, it's a, for me. It's essentially like my Xbox One, where there's the there's the physical game that's in the slot, yeah. and that's the only one. Mm. And then I just well, do everything it, yeah. else digital. Nintendo's online pricing typically blows ass Switch, too. You can copy your cards to your SD cards. Yeah, we'll chat about that because I think I'm going to have to do that. <laughs> but, but I can't get on fucking the Nintendo Network though. If I do that, can I? Uh, depends. Because that's the thing. My my kid does play the Switch, and like with Mario coming out, he's going to be all over that shit. Yeah. yeah. So that's that's kind of yeah, probably shit. want to get a second one. Just find a used one, like real quick. But anyway. yeah, there's other stuff for this. Like there's co-op uh, level creation stuff, which is Joy-Con only. Mm-hmm. You can't Fuck use that. pro controllers for that. Nope. mode so uh nope. you can for the main mode but uh let's see yeah there's slopes there's the angry sun there's also the moon mm-hmm. uh, oh. which places that which is essentially creates like alternate versions of any levels you use it for mm-hmm. uh like night courses so that you know like one like the underground levels are upside down mm. uh there's one of the outdoor levels like the all the goombas float <laughs> float around mm. uh there's a lot of neat little like twists on that and that's, and yeah, you kind of lose a bit with the without like a, a stylus-based control system like the the Wii U had. Mm. Uh, I don't think they announced a stylus edition. No, I saw something where they were doing a stylus. That might, might, that's for every other region, but this one. Oh, yeah. 
uh, here they didn't announce that. Maybe that'll be an E3 announcement or something. It feels like a missed opportunity. Yeah. Uh, Give yeah, me something else I can lose, Nintendo. Yeah. Uh, you can also set clear conditions for levels instead of just getting to the end. Yeah. It's going to be like, hey, get this many coins, which you can easily just be a dick and put them uh, throughout the levels and have like the last one be at the end sort of thing. But... Uh, yeah, there's there's lots of different options. You can also do slopes now. Yep. Yeah. Oh yay. Slopes. You can also do the like the conveyor belt thing. Uh-huh. Uh Have those set up uh, the way you want. Uh, scrolling is uh, you can set the different speeds for that. Uh, there's gonna be a lot of shit to make you make it so you can be uh, the biggest dick possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was the thing. Watching my kid do the mar- <laughs> a lot of the stuff was just like, man, like they just everyone that makes these levels like hates you. Yeah, like, that's kind of the thing. Maybe there'll be new levels with the tools they have here, where you can have like just fun stuff. But from everything I saw with, with Mario Maker, you either made like autoplay levels, or you made ones that just made you uh, hate everybody. That made you hate mm-hmm. your life. Yeah, like that. Yeah. Those so was weird. Like, how are you going to do? You trying to Dark Souls Mario Brothers? Like, what the fuck? I mean, if you want to play regular Mario, you can play those regular games, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Uh, I don't think they have any uh, ways to like link together uh, levels and try to make like make your own Mario game. Yeah, not yet. I think like if you could, you could, you would absolutely be encouraged to do that sort of thing. And that would be a huge selling. But point if it's just one-off for... levels, you're just going to make it as tough as possible yeah. with the most fuck you mechanics you can. Yeah, that's kind of what I didn't feel about Mar- the original Mario Makers. That they just got hung up on all this Kaizo stuff, and yeah. I would really just rather um, make new conventional Mario stages. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. able to do that. Just... Hopefully, they're easier to find. Yeah, like if they had some cool mechanics like uh, Dreams does, where people could be curators and put together like collections of levels. Yeah. Like, hey, here's all the levels that aren't. Uh, dick levels. Yeah. You know, here's all the ones that are actually trying to be like Mario or Mario 2 or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, or like uh, trying to tell a story or something, yeah, which yeah. there were, and um, some of them were pretty brilliant, I won't mm-hmm. lie. Yeah. So there's four Switch owners and probably four copies of this being sold, I would guess. Um, at, least, at least three. I'm not sure about Pat if he's in it, on board with this one yet. Um... I will be picking it up eventually with great apprehension of what it will do to my life. <laughs> yeah, I think for me it depends on what else is coming out around that time. Yeah, well, it's June 25th, yeah, so... Because I, you know, I never did go down the uh, original Mario Maker rabbit hole for the simple fact that the project that I wanted to take on with it would have dominated my life for an un... For an indeterminate amount of time. Yeah. And that would be to um, completely remake Super Mario Bros. 3. (laughs) Yeah. But I think somebody ended up doing that. For me in particular, you know, I'm I'm not a Mario Maker kind of person. I don't really really consider myself that creative. Uh, When when the original one came out, I made like six levels and called it a day. And uh, yeah, well, what Chris talked about, about having to unlock features by playing the game every day. Um, didn't seem all that appealing, but I yeah, guess kind of fucked up. Um, but the main thing here is that you know when when they announced the, uh, this second one, I honestly did not give a shit, um, especially because the the game doesn't have a st- or the Switch doesn't really support a stylus uh, first party. But after seeing this direct, I'm 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 
I am totally happy with what with, with everything they've shown. And uh, granted, yeah, it's just everything with a facelift. But what I'm most excited for is definitely the story mode because not only um, do you get a better tutorial on how to actually do things, but you know you're actually going to be guided through Nintendo's levels. And let's be honest. The main people that really know how to make a good Mario level are the people who are actually at Nintendo because they aren't really yeah. trying to stick you the, the entire way through. And if you guys remember the um, Nintendo World Championships a few years ago when Mario Maker was first shown, mm-hmm. um, they had like you know these pro gamers just try to get through these new levels, and that, that was a totally that was a total joy to watch. In fact, they're actually going to have the Mario Maker Invitational before E3 this year, so I actually look forward to watching that. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other thing here, I don't know if, if no, but we, we didn't talk about it. So yeah, you you can make levels in Mario, uh, in the original Mario, Mario Three, and Mario World, but you can also make levels in Super Mario 3D World style, though not in the full 3D. But yeah, uh, if if you took a look at the screen there, they showed the uh, the games that you can make them for, and then there was also an extra space there, and under that subhead it said uh, more games. So. I would expect DLC to come in the future, and I don't know yeah. what path it would take here. Like they, they, you can More go Mario Two, but Mario Two wasn't even really a Mario. I would take uh, Yoshi's Island. Mm. Yoshi's Island would be fantastic. Because uh, that's a the rumors about Paper Mario. Yeah. I doubt they'd go that direction. But that no, would be yeah, because unlike the the original games they have in Mario Maker, that controls differently, has different mechanics, and a different look, especially. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that stuff could be definitely worth. So like you can't transform like a super mario brothers one level into super mario world uh 3d world yeah at least uh, it has to start over again mm. so if you're working on something like oh i'll try this you should just save it and start up a new level because mm-hmm. it has all like the warp pipes uh the warp boxes all that sort of stuff cat mario uh and all that so yeah uh, more ways to you know make levels that are dicks <laughs> so good on Nintendo. And uh Alright, so we'll get to the last story of the day, week, and month, year, we don't know. Uh yeah. So uh Sony and Microsoft, uh two upstart companies uh in the gaming space. Well, technically both of them were at one point, uh have decided to team up uh in for uh a gaming and AI initiative. I never saw this one coming. I can tell you that. Nope. It doesn't really seem like something that's um, that was made at the game division level. No, this was higher. Uh, yeah, this yeah. is um, as at Microsoft, Microsoft, Sony, the uh, software company, and Sony, the electronics yeah, company, not the Xbox and PlayStation division. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, but uh, that it will benefit them both. It. Yeah, because uh, t- a couple of things. I mean, uh, Microsoft is getting you know head on into AI. And one of the things that they want are, uh, you know, image sensors for computer vision. Hmm, guess who makes those? Yep. So, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, so there, that will be part of it. And uh, on, on the flip side, we know that Sony's uh, entire online service is uh, a huge theming pile of crap. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, Microsoft knows how to fix that kind of stuff. Uh, so I suspect, and I think this was made, this was couched in, you know, corporate speak, but what I think, uh, this really is, is, uh, Sony is basically admitting that PSN is hot garbage and they need help to fix it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the funny part is, is that if this was reversed, 
Sony would uh, would tell Microsoft to suck it, but Microsoft's like, well, I mean, we'll let's just make it better for everybody. Yeah, because what a what a what a strange thing. Because that's and at the same time. Is. At the same time, they're staring down Apple. They're staring down Google. Maybe Amazon. Yeah. And so there's definitely a a common enemy. Yeah. At hand that um, you know, it would be it would definitely behoove the existing uh, console industry to circle their wagons. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think I think I wonder too of what we're seeing or what we will see rather. Uh, and I think this is really up to um, whether or not, you know, Sony plays ball. But, like, I think to your point about all these other people that are trying to stick their nose in the console market, I think we're also at a point where if you're playing an Xbox, you're playing it for different games than you are on the on the PS3 or PS4. Oh, for sure. And if you you have a Switch, you're, you're, you're kind of doing something different entirely. You know, so it's, it's really kind of all about, like, the kind of games that you want to play and in, in, in the not just that, but in the environment that you want to play them. Like, I... I I was just again. Remember, I told you guys I got I got fiber now, and we're we're getting like a thousand, you know, or, or a thousand megs a second. And PSN is still fucking slow as balls. Yes, like it's just insane. Whereas like anything that I download, like I downloaded Assassin's Creed Odyssey because we have a digital copy of it, and the fucking whole game downloading in six minutes. Yeah. And whereas like I was downloading like a. 700 meg game uh, on on PSN the other day because I wanted to remote play it and it was like 14 minutes like really <laughs> you know and just I don't know it's just weird Every, everything and, and the way that everything that, the way that Sony has PSN set up is just fucking weird and backwards like they just never assumed it's a very Nintendo thing in a way like we just never assumed this online thing would take off guys <laughs> yeah you know so hopefully Microsoft will be able to help them out with that and uh, at least for maybe maybe we'll start to see some of these benefits in the PS4 time frame but definitely on PS5 we'll probably be yeah. seeing uh, the fruits of this effort so mm-hmm. uh, what I what I don't get is just all these people um, shoveling hype onto the whole thing. Like, oh, are, are they going to – are we going to see, like, maybe Xbox and PlayStation becoming one platform? No, you're not. No, that's oh, not yeah, This happening. is like yeah, the, the problem. Remember back in the day you would hear people that would be like, hey, uh, so I hear they're finally putting a Mario game out on that Genesis. Like, no, they're not. Like, no. don't – don't this. no, that's not how this works. Shut up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, both uh, both Microsoft and Sony are working on their next platforms. That's that's not going to change. Uh, you know, the only thing that's going to happen is that maybe PSN will actually download at a reasonable rate, and maybe your accounts will work properly. Um, yeah. Just oh, just saying, you know. Yeah, it seems like I will remember, guys. We know they're on the upswing here. They got name changes figured out. <laughs> kind no, of. they don't. <laughs> <laughs> no, they don't. <laughs> like, let's be honest. Yeah. So. All right, so I think we'll wrap it up there for the week. Oh my God, we went long. <laughs> that was yes, a hell we of a show, though. Yeah, that's what she said. Yeah. Uh, so uh, <laughs> I'd like to remind you guys: if you haven't subscribed to the show, you can do so at uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn, or your favorite podcast aggregator. Uh, you can also check us out over at Smashpad.com, where uh, yeah, if uh, you have something to say, uh, drop us a comment. Now that our comments actually work again for some WordPress, sometimes is really weird that way. But now they work. We have Discuss, so if you've got your social logins, you can jump in there and make comments, and we'd like to hear from you. So uh, for uh, Patrick Mifflin, Brandon Perkins, Chris Sologi, Dan Victorio, and Lee Lamb, I've been Filippo Genolfo, and we'll see you next week. <laughs>